1605 Monday. Rock or talk on AM 1600, KIVA, BQ.FM, and Rock of Talk. 5500 here in the Kiva on this hot Monday afternoon. Are we hitting the triple? Only you could tell me. I actually cannot tell you that because I am not now out of Texas this afternoon. We got D Dowd Muska in the studio. Oh, he's opposite end on the other side. And I'm glad to be here uh, with you from uh, the number four city in the country. Uh, places to uh, move it used to be the one reason to put that to open things up don't forget you can catch us on Roku TV, Amazon Fire and Apple Podcasting on Stitcher, SoundCloud Spotify and of course Audible which is my favorite and of course Talk.TV and RockOfTalk.com or get Dowd's articles as well as a podcast at RockOfTalk.chat nice to see the Dowd Muska. After what is a pretty tumultuous week, um, at least in broadcasting, because we were down Friday, I'd like to thank the uh, my hats off to the public service company of the state of New Mexico. Up job, way to go, guys! You guys were uh, um, probably uh, very good. Uh, uh, out about every three to four seconds for an instant. Is that about right, Dowd? Uh, indeed, indeed, yes. Okay. There we are. Okay, so we're going to have to figure out another way to go. I'm going to connect uh, direct. Uh, so you certainly know where I am out. Q go live uh, on that. So I'm not uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Eric in, in studio. Uh, uh, Dowd, how are you doing this afternoon? Uh, very well, very well, sir. Uh, it is a little strange to be uh, back in studio uh, uh, and uh, kind of exciting to be back in studio. There have been a few changes here, folks, since uh, since I last was around. Um, I'm digging the uh, extremely comfortable leather chair. I was playing around with the recliner there about an hour ago. Uh, very Almost went straight to sleep. Uh, realized I actually had to work today. Uh, I put it right back in its full upright uh, and locked position and uh, went, went, went back to uh, back to show prep. Uh, loving the the uh, red, yellow, green uh, stoplight over there. Uh, very, very, uh, very, very, very cool. Uh, and of course, in New Mexico, more than any other state I've ever been in, yellow, of course, means gun it, uh, no matter how close you are to the actual intersection itself. Um, uh, lots of new, just, just just new decorations, new, very cool, you know, vintage uh, uh, advertising and signs, which we you know is just really, really, really super cool. Um, I have a couple of those uh, where I live, and we actually had one. Uh, at the farm that I actually made a little money off of that we discovered in uh, in Grandma's uh, a garage way back when. Eddie has made this place very livable. Behind me is the bar. Uh, it's just like, a, I don't know, I expect Isaac the bartender to just pop up behind there you know, and offer me a Tom Collins or something. So uh, I am loving, loving life in the studio, Eddie, and uh, had maybe one of my best weekends uh, ever in New Mexico this weekend. I was up in Los Alamos at the Science Fair, and the book sale up there got 29 books for 30 bucks uh, all of course related to uh, science and that sort of thing that's that's reasons like that that's why i live in new mexico to take advantage of those kinds of opportunities saw some of the ai robots walking around uh at the science fest eddie the robots they say are not going to take over our life and they're not going to kill us and skynet is not going to exterminate us the robots the boston dynamic robots were behind very very high yellow metal cages, um, which has me a little concerned. If the AI robots are not going to kill us all and Skynet is never going to be a thing, why are they keeping the AI robots behind very high cages? 
uh, has me a little little worried. So, um, uh, been an exciting life for Dido Musco the last couple of days, but uh, but fun, but fun. I think we should say happy birthday, Branson, today as I We're attempt so to connect with you. Sung today, there, D Dowd. So uh, I, I know you got to be celebrating. Uh, yes, and I in in the um, in the Daily Blast, which you would get if you're a subscriber, ladies and gentlemen. I said uh, I call. I always think of interesting names for people. Uh, sometimes people are so weird, like Sylvester Stallone. I don't really. He's, you can't really call him an actor, can you? So I just say Sylvester Stallone. Uh, for Richard Branson, this morning he was described as a Euro trash huckster. Uh, he turned seventy-two today. Uh, and it broadcast in. Unbelievable. Okay, let's see if. Broadcasting. Don't touch that dial, folks. We're still on the air. <laughs> Eddie's uh, making some technical uh, just adjustments. Uh, I think I do. I do believe we have uh, producer Eric with us today, though, too. Uh, or as I think Dinah called him over the weekend, Epro is that his name? E Epro is that? I think yeah. Producer Eric somehow became Epro. I don't know if that's his rap name uh, or uh, or what, but uh, it was good to see uh, Mr. Eric, one of the uh, courageous people who refused to actually, at the point of uh, losing a job, losing an income source, uh, refused to get jabbed. And uh, the more uh, data just continue. I think I had one in the Daily Blast today, an article about uh, <clears throat> the ineffectiveness of that medication, or the so-called medication they want us to take. Uh, I remain, uh, I think, I think the, the new phrase is uh, pure blood. They're, they're, I've heard people say the, the pure bloods versus the mud bloods. Uh, I uh, remain a proud pure blood, not because I think the vaccine's going to kill me, but just because I'm not afraid of SARS-CoV-2. I'm not in one of the risk groups. I'm relatively healthy. I'm still in my <clears throat> 40s for a, a few more weeks, and uh, never, never, never got the jab. And um, people in the family who uh, did everything they were told, and uh, apparently they've they've tested positive. So. Uh, I'm not going to gloat about that. I'm not even going to. I'm not even going to bring that up. But uh, I hope wherever you are out in uh, uh, listener land, ladies and gentlemen, you are doing well as uh, we work to get back Mr. Aragon on this Monday, the 18th of July, 2022. Uh, obviously, we're going to start uh, with uh, condolences. Uh, we, we we lost uh, some first responders in that terrible accident over the weekend. Uh, it was uh, a, a true tragedy. The, the term tragedy is thrown around a lot. Sometimes when someone acts, commits an act of murder, they say, oh, it was this terrible tragedy. Well, no, it was an act of mass murder. Someone chose to do what they did. Uh, a situation like that, you had the loss of life in the helicopter, a, a true tragedy. Folks willing to put their lives on the line in our, in our first responder community. And uh, obviously the politicians are trying to make hay of this. They always want to glom onto this, but I don't think it's exploitative to simply say that we express our condolences over the uh, four first responders who were lost over the weekend. Uh, good, good, good people. Uh, today's show, of course, Eddie is, uh, we're trying to reconnect with him. He is out of state, but is coming back fairly soon. I am in studio, ready to talk about all sorts of fun things, including, uh, well, you'd have to be a subscriber to read it. You gotta, you, you gotta, it's a, there's a paywall for it at rockoftalk.chat, but it is a Description of how I spent my Thursday and into uh, Thursday night and into Friday morning down in Los Lunas in uh, Valencia County, the uh, lovely Valencia County, south of Albuquerque, part of the Albuquerque Metropolitan Statistical Area. Uh, I believe the four counties, Sandoval, Bernalillo, Torrance, and Valencia are the federally designated counties that make up the Albuquerque Metropolitan Statistical Area. 
Folks, the longest public hearing of my life. I have been at public hearings regarding education, curriculum, uh, civics classes. I've been at public hearings about nuclear facilities. I've been at public hearings about uh, hunting mountain lions. I've been at public hearings uh, in one particular rich, super rich, rich Whiteyville in my home state of Connecticut, uh, fighting the uh, the siting, the permitting of a biodiesel facility in Rich Whiteyville. They didn't want it there. Uh, I've been in more public hearings. I was trying to figure out over the weekend just how many months of my li- life I've lost to public hearings. If I tried to add up how many have I been to at an average of X number of hours. This one came in. Okay, It weighed in at six and a half hours down in Valencia County. Five county commissioners, all Republicans down in Valencia County, had to make a big decision. They had to vote on a natural resource overlay zone. And I'm going to have details on that in the show, but you're going to want to stick around, folks. We're coming right back. we have at the Rock of Talk, it's usually human interference trying to, uh, let's say, hold us from getting our, our message out. Uh, pr- apparently, a press conference uh, just concluded. Uh, I don't know if it just concluded or still underway. The county sheriff's office released a timeline uh, leading up to that deadly helicopter crash. Uh, the four gentlemen who were killed, uh, I guess it happened, of course, on the 16th, Friday. Thank uh, you. Friday. Uh, I'm sorry, Saturday. Today's the 18th. Uh, at uh, Thank you, Eric. Launched from the Double Eagle Airport for the event. Uh, an event at Valle de, del Oso uh, on South 2nd Street. Uh, arrived at that event at 11.12. Came back at 12.48. Uh, they were retrieving kayaks left along the Rio Grande from the previous day. Uh, they arrived back at Double Eagle at 1.18. They departed the airport for the East Mesa Fire at 1.48 p.m. p.m. Uh, 2.50 p.m. They arrived on scene to set up a bucket for the bucket bucket, bucket dropping uh, 305 launched from the initial scene and performed approximately 20 bucket drops before uh, the next landing. They arrived at the Las Vegas airport to refuel Las Vegas, New Mexico, of course, 419 p.m. They left the airport to perform more bucket drops at 432, uh, came back to the local airport to refuel at 622, uh, departed Las Vegas to return back to the double legal here in Metro Albuquerque. And at 718, that was the last known location uh, recorded just south of Las Vegas, uh, New Mexico. Uh, obviously, uh, the loss of these four lives, very, uh, 
very tragic. And uh, obviously, they were doing very dangerous duty. And every, I imagine every time you go up into a helicopter for any reason, uh, it's just uh, relatively uh, dangerous. And certainly, fight, fighting fires would, uh, would qualify as that. Uh, again, our, our condolences. And we're not gonna, we're not gonna uh, spend too much time on this because I don't like personally exploiting people's tragedies. So I'm sure uh, I speak for our listeners. Well, let's talk a little bit about this. Uh, just for a moment, if we can. And I think we should talk about it from a number of staff standpoints. I apologize for the technical difficulties uh, there. Uh, totally avoidable uh, this afternoon, but uh, we're working through it. So I think um, that's a, a long period of time. So if we're evaluating what's really happening uh, during that period of time, we're looking at about eight, eight and a half hours yep. from what I can gather. Um, that's a long time for a vehicle of that age uh, to be operating. Okay. I think that that for one, I think, uh, and then the distance for uh, period travel. Now, I recently traveled over the Grand Canyon. I flew over the Grand Canyon in early February, and having flown over the Grand Canyon, uh, Dowd, um, you know, those copters, you know, they have to have their weights uh, established just like any plane when you get on the plane this next month. Uh, obviously, you have a little aversion to flying, but they have to balance all the luggage and everything else. So mm. you're going back and forth uh, through a lot of heat uh, as well. There's no doubt in my my mind that heat likely, well, not to mention uh, the amount of, of time that it takes to fly that, um, you know, as the, we can truly say as the crow flies, as the helicopter flies, it is direct, so it is a, a little bit uh, closer. But, you know, nonetheless, it is going to heat up just a little bit. Um, and those copters and the age of the vehicle, I believe, was well over 20 plus years. I believe uh, BCSO acquired it um, uh, during um, the 90s, late 90s, if I'm not mistaken, from oh. what I've, I've gathered. So, you know, uh, doing this type of uh, yeoman's work for the helicopter, you know, we, you get into maintenance issues. As everybody knows that for a long time, we've been tr uh, tracking a lot of helicopters down. Sure. Um, we were doing that uh, during the uh, COVID uh, when they were flying uh, to and from the um, Farmington helipad, the Gallup helipad, as Michelle Lujan Grisham continued to fly them in. That BCSO helicopter goes up less frequently uh, here around these environments and has a tendency to go up a lot more on the other side of the mountains uh, quite a bit. So. I don't want to speculate, but those are the things that we know factually. The amount of time spent in the air that day, the weight of the crew, and then you said, what, 20-plus buckets? You know, whether yeah. or not that's – yeah, so whether or not that that's really a – you know, first thing that comes into my mind is that generally what it does. It drops and picks, drops and picks, drops and picks. Is it suited for that type of work? Uh, just because it can do that work doesn't mean that it should be doing that type of work. And, uh, again, you know, I think what comes into question is the huge amount of surplus that Governor, Governor uh, Michelle Lujan Grisham not only inherited $2.1 billion, um, the amount of money for our safety officers. Uh, let's not forget it is also the amount of uh, the, the age of the equipment, the type of the equipment. Hey, uh-uh. The type of the equipment that we're doing and that, we're, that they're using during that time. So if they're using it for that length of time and then using it for that type of work, I think some of this also falls on the governor um, because, you know, that stuff needs to be aged out. You know, I think we've always bragged about our prowess uh, technologically uh, in the skies, the amount of money that we spend, and we have not been spending money on public safety. And I think if there's anything to sort of 
um, you know, talk about is we should probably talk about uh, the the age and whether or not that should have been replaced because you know you can only depreciate these things physically thirty nine and a half years. Uh, I don't I don't know about you, but I don't want to be on a vehicle of any type that's thirty nine and a half years old. No, 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 <laughs> so, no at all. So, no, so, so you know, the, there's some other things that we need to factor in in a very practical manner, um, because you know it's just like the you know the, the people who rescued Osama bin Laden. Um, you know, you go into that helicopter crash. Sure. There's been more police officers since 1950 that have been killed by a helicopter crash in the line of duty than there has been, I think, uh, by other means. And we lost three officers and one fire. Um, department person, which I think could have been avoided had it been funded correctly. Had we not had to battle those uh, fires up north, let's not forget that as well. I think this is our seventh uh, public safety officer that has died this year tragically. Um, remember the uh, Santa Fe and the fire department police officers uh, up there and one other police officer down south. I don't know if that was this year or last year, but there you go. There's a total of seven. So I think we need to sort of aggregate the total loss of life uh, to our public safety officers. Uh, certainly, in my opinion, uh, gone beyond um, the probably what other public safety departments have, have probably likely done. And I realize that you don't, and nobody likes to talk about these types of things, and we're not trying to get out of it, but I think we also do need to talk a little bit about the defund the police movement and how this possibly impacted that. I don't think that those questions are out of, uh, the you know in my opinion the purview of what we should be looking at when it comes to all this so just some quick thoughts uh, for those of you out there I of course um, immediately got this um, immediately got this message and I was very very sad about it as we all are but you know it's cool the other part is the media how quickly they shuffled this sort of to the back pages uh, this hasn't been exactly the focus um, there's focused on other things um, almost immediately. It's like, oh, it just sort of kind of comes with the territory. Um, if this were death of a criminal or death of something like that, we continue to talk about this and it continues to be on the front page mm. and what has happened. And just like we saw that, you know, what, how many front pages are we going to see with this? We saw two front pages with the, the burned body of a 15 year old, uh, you know, quote unquote involved with a drug dealer. Sure. So, you know, here you go. You, I think you have the media weight as well. So just some food for thought there. And I'm not sure what you think, of all of that uh, coming from my viewpoint, Doug. Well, Eddie, I think uh, what you sparked in my mind is is a is a phenomenon I have observed by public sector managers over the years. Who you know, if you go to a budget hearing before the city council or the county commission or or the village or town council, and every so often they don't do it. They don't do it. It's, it's not a regular occurrence. But and I've done this for thirty years. Come October you will hear people in positions who run departments. Now it might be solid waste or it might be law enforcement, it might be the firefighter department, it might be police or, or county sheriffs. And they will talk about the way that automatic raises and uh, healthcare costs are continuing to eat up a bigger por por portion of their budgets. And this, of course, it gets to my view that you should not get an automatic raise no matter what your job is. I mean, you should pay be paid for performance. But over the years, I've heard them uh, from time to time, come forward and say, to the extent that our budget, if present trends continue, it, w it won't be long before our entire budget is salaries and benefits and our maintenance budget, our infrastructure budget, whether it's vehicles, whether it's fixing the roof uh, of, you know, some facility that stores government owned equipment. Uh, this is something that is eating away at an important part of our budget. And if we could get the salaries uh, and benefits under control, we could make more investments, more smart investments 
in maintenance and replacement uh, on the infrastructure side. So uh, we're going to find out moving forward. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people with a lot of different opinions on this, but all I would say just in a general sense is there are from time to time some genuinely honest and I would dare say bold people in the public sector who have said, we are cannibalizing our budgets too much to feed mm -hmm. the greedy unions right. and we have operations and maintenance and infrastructure and upkeep yeah. issues for buildings and for vehicles that are going to cost us down the road. Now, I don't know that I ever recall anyone saying it will lead to death. Usually what I hear is it's just going to lead to more costs down the road. But uh, that is a very right. interesting element of this, Eddie. And I think you're, there's no, no problem with all at all with just raising that issue because it could be very real in this case. Absolutely. I think as we get put to the bottom of this investigation, we find out NTSB is involved and various other things. And then, of course, you know, let's see if the voters hold Michelle Lujan Grisham accountable for all of this. Uh, by the way, as you heard at the top of this uh, segment, that was Brenda Lee. She went number one on the U.S. singles chart with I'm sorry. Maybe, uh, maybe we'll hear a sorry out of Michelle Lujan Grisham and the governor of the state of New Mexico when it comes to that. I don't expect it, but we'll be back after a quick break. Charles Manson stole from the Beatles. We're stealing the fight. When you get to the bottom, you go back to the top of the slide, and you stop, and you turn, and you go for the ride. Then you get to the bottom, then you see me again. All right, little 1968 Beatles Helter Skelter. Recorded on this day way back in 68. Also recorded Cry Baby Cry. And uh, there it is. A lot of things uh, turning of age today on this uh, July the 18th. Dow's going to have an exciting opportunity to uh, meet some somebody from over 50 years ago. And that's going to happen on Thursday. We'll talk a little bit about that. A little good opportunity. And I'll, of course, meet him as well. But uh, it's quite likely that Dowd has already met Mr. Harrison Schmidt, a native New Mexico, or actually not a native New Mexican, a uh, New Mexico, uh, U.S. New Mexico, U.S. Senator from New Mexico. Um, he was taken out by Jeff Bingaman, but he was elected in 1976 after landing on the moon in 1972. I believe it was December 11th, 12th, and 13th, 1972, which is uh, what could be a better present for D. Dowd Muska? Uh, he's going to go and meet them, uh, him, on uh, Thursday. So we'll get into a little bit of that uh, discussion after he meets him. Uh, 550 50, 500 if you want to go ahead and text in. Do not call in today because I'm plugging up the uh, phone lines. And, um, yes, it is sad. It is tragic. Uh, but there's been many officers uh, have been losing their lives in the, uh, in the line of duty. They're not necessarily... Um, much reporting has been done about it. Um, I will tell you that I think we not much has been made about the sacrifice and the service that these officers do make. I think oftentimes this doubt often has you know talked about the union. Uh, it ends up being spread to uh, benefits to everybody, but you know oftentimes we don't think enough about our actual officers and what they're doing. It's curious to me how such high-ranking uh, officials were handling a small sort of brush fire in northern New Mexico. I think that's also a very curious thing uh, as well. 550-5500. Well, um, switching
switching back to national news, one of the things that we have not been able to address, and I'm not sure why much hasn't been made of it, but um, the death of Ivana Trump, 73 years young, um, falling, I believe, from a staircase. Uh, much details have been shrouded, not necessarily in secrecy, but there's just not much details. Uh, sensibly, she lived alone and maybe with a few people who were uh, quote-unquote caretakers of her insofar as they were taking care of her. She was um, pretty autonomous, uh, well-traveled, um, outspoken, brash, uh, demanded a uh, divorce from Donald Trump. I think she received the lion's share in a divorce court, New York divorce court, uh, against Donald Trump. Uh, dare I say it, she's the only one who probably beat uh, Donald Trump fair and square. And I think she remained uh, good friends with Donald right up until the day of her death. And in reading the, the various details about um, Ivana Trump, uh, she was con a little bit of a conciliary, uh, or conciliary, or whatever they say about that in, in Godfather. I know I got the, the word wrong, but there you go. Um, she was helping him during January 6th. She was literally texting Donald Trump the day on January 6th. And she's also the same person who introduced Donald Trump, uh, believe it or not, into Twitter, which I thought was also quite curious doubt. Wow. There's so many little details. Yeah, there's so many little details. Well, I think she introduced him to it because he had such a hard time getting his message out. Sure. Uh, and the news media uh, was constantly, you know, taking what he said and, you know, repackaging it and recanning it. And, you know, they were doing everything as they do because they have their favorites for, for who they want and how they want it. So they were misconstruing what he was saying. And so Ivana introduced him to Twitter and told him, hey, this is what you need to go ahead and use to get your message out. And now we've seen essentially the death of Twitter now uh, with Elon Musk pulling out of it. Um, a long, drawn-out legal battle will likely ensue. Um, uh, Elon Musk lost the opportunity to draw that out. They want a quick closure, but that's not going to happen when you're fighting the richest man in the world. But that's an aside from what I think the real focus needs to be is a curious time for Ivana Trump to die. And I'm only asking the questions. I can't insinuate much, but if she was directly interfacing with Donald Trump on the day and uh, counseling him on, you know, the way it looked and the way it's perceived, you know, uh, now we've got Secret Service that's been brought in. We've got Steve Bannon. We got uh, Pat Cipollone, uh, who's now being uh, questioned. And now you've got the death of the president's first wife and mother, by the way of the three people who are most in touch with Donald Trump. And nobody has talked about this. Conservative media has ignored this uh, as well. And I think if anybody can vouch for you and make you a quote-unquote good man, <laughs> it's whether or not you have uh, friendships and relationships um, with people who you should be hating, right? Uh, namely, your ex-wives, ex-husbands, you know, ex-father-in-laws, ex-mother-in-laws, things like that. And if those people are willing to vouch for you in one way or the other, I'll just say that you're probably a pretty good guy. And I'd like to say here that I think this whole situation now sort of begs the question, looking at this differently, was Ivana Trump possibly murdered or killed? Um, okay. Now, I know that she had some, she had some health issues, right? She had some health issues. But the timing of this, of the... I don't know, uh, 27, 28,000 days that she was here on this earth. Uh, if you think about just how kind of crazy it is, the timing is just sort of uncanny given what's going on 
with Donald Trump's in the attempt to keep him out. And let's not forget, you know, his main opposition, who he was able to conquer, was, of course, Hillary Clinton. Now, these may seem, again, wacky questions, but I'm broadcasting from Rockwall, Texas, home of Alex Jones right now, uh, and have a pretty cool meeting tomorrow that I'll, I'll share with you if it goes well. Um, Rockwall, Texas being number four, and this is really the, the, the heart of, I'm going to talk more about Texas in, in the next segment, but Dowd, I think these questions are all valid. I've read a lot about Ivana Trump. Um, I think something needs to be looked into in all of this. And, you know, here are the Trumps again in the middle of it at a time when they could possibly be vindicated. And, you know, these are the tragic things to have happen to people who are involved in politics down. Yeah, interesting thought, Eddie. Uh, I, when I heard 73, that, that seems a little young for me. Uh, my parents are almost 80 and very, very, very healthy. So that, that kind of that resonated. I thought 73, that's, you know, today, 50 years ago, nobody made it to 73, but uh, very young. And of course, she was the uh, the woman who gave us the term the Donald. So uh, and, and, and also, I mean, whatever you well. No, no one, no one who hates the Trumps would ever concede anything good about the Trumps. So I, I'm foolish to even begin to make that argument. But uh, her children, she was the mother of three children who are some pretty solid citizens. I'll, I'll never forget the comedian, the podcast I listen to every day, Adam Carolla, when he was on the uh, uh, Celebrity Apprentice, and he said that uh, Ivanka was the most. I think we know why Adam's not married to his wife anymore. Uh, he said that <laughs> Ivanka was the most uh, poised, polished, well-spoken impressive woman he'd ever encountered in his entire life. And I'm sure that uh, Ivana had a lot to do with what, uh, you know, what, what, what Ivanka became, but uh, 73 mm -hmm. sounds, sounds a little young to me. It does sound a little bit young. It did uh, state in the New York post article that she did have some hit problems, but you know, that's half of everybody who's over the age of seven. Right. right. Um, you know, I think that's one thing. And I think she certainly would have uh, seated, um, you know, to her caretakers, help me up, help me down. I would imagine that she likely had an elevator in her home <laughs> or something along those lines. It just doesn't make, yeah. The medical examiner's office uh, has yet to determine the cause of death, but law enforcement said that she may have suffered, quote unquote, cardiac arrest, either leading to her tumble down the stairs or crumple on the floor where she was found. Now, she was um, remarkably uh, well taken care of. She took a lot of care of her diet and of herself. Uh, so that's another thing that sort of stood out to me. So it seemed to me uh, unlikely. Um, I don't know. I'd love to get people's thoughts on on all of this. I just don't like the way that this looks in terms of optics. I might be reaching here a little bit, I'll, I'll admit. Um, but again, the timing of this is uh, something I couldn't sort of look away from. And uh, two thoughts immediately came to mind is, uh, I can't believe the news media is wasting this opportunity not to accuse Donald Trump of some level of foul play. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, if anything, <laughs> this would be the time to certainly or at least John Jr. <laughs> Anybody, you know, it just it would seem like was there something to inherit here or something? Is as much as mud as they have possibly swung at them? It just seems uh, unlikely, and she was certainly out of the picture now. A couple of uh, funny anecdotal things um, over the years. I do remember her in their very famous, um, well, she was in the uh, First Wives Club. She was in that movie, Get All You Can Get from Donald Trump. Donald Trump hated that, uh, of course. You know, I remember Donald Trump uh, when I was, uh, you know, name the one person who's going to cancel a one penny check. Donald Trump cashed it. You know, he is, 
uh, obviously been through uh, bankruptcy protection filings uh, several times, and uh, likely a lot of that was driven by Ivana um, uh, Trump and what she's done. And then I think the other thing um, in all of this is, you know, Ivana has always held up uh, throughout the years, even against, you know, First Lady and Melania. Uh, But she never mentioned Melania, and she never mentioned uh, Marla Maples, Mm -hmm. who is the mother of Tiffany. So I think if anybody should be held up in the sort of highest regard of all women and and, and feminism, uh, if you will, it should be Ivana Trump, Dowd. Um, I'm surprised feminists everywhere, after the way she beat Donald Trump silly in divorce court, I'm surprised that she's not being celebrated um, by every feminist out there about taking it to the man. I think uh, she is iconic in that way, but... You know as well as I do because of her last name and her last name only and the fact that she was married to Donald Trump despite the fact that she beat him and had his children. She will never be celebrated um, because uh, she herself was very, very politically conservative. In fact, uh, it was stated that she was to the right of Donald Trump. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. In the Kiva, back to wrap the hour, I'll talk a little bit about Rockwell, Texas. those three after the big three uh 
uh, uh, Houston and Dallas and probably Miami in there. You would be one of the few people who would actually mention Dallas. Okay. There's a reason why people overlook Dallas. It is actually number four. It's considered to be number three. There is 8.2 million people in the metropolitan statistical area. The next up is 8.7 with Chicago. And as I is uh, when you're looking at, it's pretty unbelievable. Um, industrial space tells you a lot about unemployment. The industrial vacancy rate, more or less, is what the true unemployment rate is. Well, we have no vacancy in Albuquerque, but that has to do because there's no industrial space uh, being built. Maybe about 100,000, 200,000 square feet. I know a lot about commercial real estate. Now, the reason why I bring this stat up is because I started looking at, okay, how much true employment is there in Dallas? <laughs> and I looked up and I said, oh my gosh, this population is huge. Dallas is Dallas is gigantic. I had no idea. The Met, they call it the Metroplex. And everything is connected and it is absolutely incredible. Um, and it's not like what you think. Like it's the, it's the small towniest feeling big city that you've ever seen. Everything feels distant. Everything feels far. Have big properties, big houses, etc., etc. So, what's even more curious to me is I was looking up. Okay, well, certainly Phoenix has got to be in the top five. Phoenix wasn't even in the top ten in the metropolitan statistical area. It's actually four point nine million. You can look this stuff up. Number four coming in at Dallas, and I'm like, how much industrial space is there? I want to find out the true unemployment rate. Well, I got into this article about the amount of industrial space being built. Guess what the number one place in the entire country, just to put things in perspective, and that's what's the most important thing. I'm in Rockwall, Texas, mind you. And I start looking at this. Dallas, Texas has rolled out over the last four years more than 100 million square feet of industrial space more than 100 million square feet. If it were actually just one city or an area that would call it, it would be the fastest growing city in the entire country. It would double up on Phoenix. That's how many people have moved to Dallas, Texas. So it's really incredible. All right, let's do you one better. What is uh, approximately the industrial real estate space in Albuquerque, New Mexico? Uh, about 70 million square feet. Dallas in two and a half years, Three to two and three quarters years has built more industrial space than the entire city of Albuquerque has an industrial space. Let me repeat that to you. Dallas in two and a half or two and three quarter years has built more industrial space than the entirety of the industrial space in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Folks, we aren't nothing in Albuquerque compared to what Dallas is. And maybe you don't want to be that, but when it comes to attracting jobs and attracting industry and bringing people here, a tax-free state dedicated to improving business, uh, let me let me assure you, uh, you would not be wrong to relocate your business from Albuquerque, New Mexico to a place like Dallas, Texas. It would make every sense in the world. Now, the livability. So I figured, okay, well, something must be wrong. Uh, certainly Albuquerque. I want to look at the top 50 you know, places to live in the entire country, okay? Um, you know, Money Magazine used to roll this kind of stuff out, and I figured, okay, well, you know, I love Albuquerque. I think Albuquerque is great. Uh, by the way, I'm not going to go too far on this conversation because I know where you guys want to go with this. I'm not going to take you there. 
tell you something. Oh, who the heck gives a crap about Dallas? Uh, how about uh, the amount of 1.4 million people that have moved over in the last decade? That's who gives an F about Dallas. Best places to live. Best places to live in the country. Here you go. Number one, Evans, Georgia, just outside of Augusta, Georgia. Uh, yesterday, the British Open. Parker, Colorado. Three, Meridian, Ohio. And number four coming in is Rockwall, Texas, home of Alex Jones. Um right outside the home of Glenn Beck, right outside the home of a number of different, you know, radio conglomerates. They're all relocating to two cities, Memphis and Dallas, Texas, Tennessee and Texas. I covered the top five states last week and I told you what was, what was really coming up. And I said, Texas really is number one. The only thing that was standing behind it is the fact that, Hey, 49 in health and uh, wellness, which had a lot to do with wealth, the insurance. They had more single-digit top tens than any other state. Look at all the places that have moved over from California to Texas, California to Austin. Austin's become blue. Uh, they have got such a bad rap um, because they are gone increasingly, increasingly uh, blue. Um, and Austin is, is sort of looked and frowned, frowned upon, uh, I should say. So. Let's compare Albuquerque just for a moment. So I said, okay, danger, there's got to be more murders, right? That would make a lot of sense. If there's any place that has more more murders, it's got to be a place that has, like Dallas, Texas. <sighs> Wrong, folks. You have a five times greater chance of dying in Albuquerque, New Mexico by a murder uh, than you do all of uh, Albuquerque. So here you go. This is uh, kind of incredible to me. The murder homicide rate, this was back in 2019. Now, it's now 29.3 because we're now going to have the highest number of record. I believe we had uh, homicide 76 and 77 uh, come in. The, the last uh, murder happening last night at, I believe, Leo's Bar on 12th and Candelaria, if I'm not mistaken, D. Dodd Muska. Yeah. So uh, I, was, uh, I was looking at these numbers here, pretty incredible. We are now going to break into the top 50 in the world, folks, of the most murderous cities in the world, um, because we are now about to surpass. We're surpassing the number. We will have more murders than San Antonio this year. We'll have more murders than St. Louis. St. Louis has been dropping consecutively the last three years in a row. Albuquerque, if we breach the 150 mark, which likely we will, uh, let me tell you now, uh, not good, not good at all. Let me uh, give you some more stats uh, that are coming in. Hold on one sec. Um, let me pull this up right here. This this blew me away. I was looking at the top 50 places in the world for murders. Detroit has 309 homicides in 2021. Baltimore had 338. We will pass, believe it or not, Dowd, Cleveland, Ohio. We will have more murders than Cleveland, Ohio. We had more murders last year than Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, let me see. We had more murders than Tucson and Colorado Springs and Boise, Idaho combined. Albuquerque, New Mexico had more murders than Tucson, Colorado Springs, and Boise, Idaho last year, believe it or not. And we were about uh, 45 murders short of Phoenix, Arizona for a city that is, I don't know, one-fifth, one-sixth the size of that. So, um, And Austin, Texas, for all the blue people that are moving over there, they jumped from 49 murders in 2020 to 89 murders in 2021. 
if blue voting blue doesn't bring you death, I don't know what does. So here's some other comparables uh, for you folks. Las Vegas, Nevada, we will beat Las Vegas, Nevada in terms of the number of murders. That has five times our population at 2.4 million. Uh, we have uh, more murders than Fort Worth. Uh, they had only 108 last year. And uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico had a cool 129 murders. So San Antonio, uh, though they increased this uh, last year from 128 to 160, uh, they are on pace to uh, record somewhere around 110 murders. So it's time that we start putting things in perspective. I know you don't want to care about other places, and I know you don't want to talk about other places, but folks, your quality of life does matter to you. And money had Rockwall, Texas as the number four place to live. There's only one, one city in the entire state of New Mexico which actually made, and the only time a, a city has ever made it, and that was Rio Rancho. Yeah, in 2020, they were the number 50th place in the country. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Hour two, just for you, right here in the Kiva, on AM600 KBQ.fm. Albuquerque's macro aggression. Eddie Aragon, the Rock of Talk. Welcome to the second hour, ladies and gentlemen. It's the Rock of Talk. It's uh, Monday, July 18th, and uh, we're going to be reconnecting with Mr. Uh, Edward Aragon in the fascinating, uh, well, the, the wonderful state of Texas and Rockwall, Texas, uh, broadcasting uh, from Rockwall uh, in Rockwall County. Uh, the Rockwall County, the county seat. Uh, is Rockwall. It's a city in Rockwall County, Texas. It's part of the Dallas-Fort Worth uh, Metroplex. Uh, and as Eddie mentioned last hour, uh, and I, I toot my own horn a little bit, I, I do know a little bit about <clears throat> populations and demographics and census data in the country. My Miami was way off. I think with my, my guess on, um, I just have the mid-Atlantic part of the country just sort of blotted out because I just think of that as Washington, D.C. Uh, Washington, D.C., the MSA, still at number six overall. Uh, of course, New York, number one, Los Angeles, number two, Chicago, number three. But Chicago is uh, almost assuredly going to be displaced uh, in in not in the not too distant future by by Dallas and uh, Houston. But D.C., uh, Dallas at four, Houston at five, uh, Washington at six, Philly, of all places, Philly. Who thinks of Philly other than M. Night Shyamalan Ding Dong, who uh, makes most of his, his movies there? Uh, who thinks of Philly? Philly is still holding on. Uh, and, of course, the southern Jersey side of Philly. Uh, is an, actually another state there to the east, I would say. Um, it, it is to the east. So Philly uh, coming in at number seven. Atlanta, hot Atlanta. How could I forget? How could I forget Atlanta? Famously burned by uh, <clears throat> Union forces uh, 150 uh, years ago. Uh, and number nine, Miami. Number nine, Miami and um, Vegas, where I'm headed off to. A uh, long way to go. Still at number 29. Uh, Albuquerque, I, I always think of it as 62 on the MSAs, but I guess because of the new data, it's moved up to 61. Uh, fun fact, not so encouraging, not so delightful fact, but Eddie was talking about the murders in Cleveland. Cleveland is more than double. The Cleveland MSA is more than double the Albuquerque MSA. So when you're, when you're in Cleveland territory for a number of murders, <clears throat> that's a little bit of a problem. 
uh, Killer Keller uh, doing his best to, uh, uh, I guess, do nothing to address uh, the serious crime problem in our beloved, beloved Duke City. Uh, and uh, less said about our mayor, uh, the better. It is the second hour of Rock of Talk. Talk of Rock of Talk. Check <clears throat> us out at uh, Rock of Talk. Uh, we got RockofTalk.com. We got ABQ.FM. You can check us out on uh, Roku and Apple TV. If you got the Fire Stick, uh, check us out at RockofTalk.chat. That is our subscription service. If you want to be dialed into what Eddie's reading, what I'm reading, uh, what I'm writing, if you want the uh, commercial-free podcast of the show, that audio file uh, is posted every night. So uh, check us out. Uh, via those mechanisms and so many, many, many more ways to connect with us. And for the time being, I'm not saying it's going to be forever. I'm here. Uh, I'm here. Uh, he's I'm here. here. He is. Mr. Aragon is here. Yeah, uh, at the time I, being, I, I didn't, how did, did, you, did you do that whole 505 and the 505? Oh, thing? I didn't even do Was 505. It? That's that's trademarked to one human being. That, that, that's not, that's not, uh, I don't by, think so. That's not permitted to other human beings. But Eddie, I was just talking a little bit about uh, some MSA data. Uh, throwing out a couple of uh, statistics about MSA data on uh, actually Albuquerque's moved up since I last looked. We're now number uh, 61 in the country. But Cleveland, if you're comparing Albuquerque and Cleveland in the number of murders, Cleveland has twice the population of Albuquerque. That is how incredibly uh, ugly things are in the Duke City. And uh, Eddie is indeed right. Uh, I'll just saying to Eddie now, people heard me a couple of minutes ago. I think Dallas and Houston within maybe another 10 years uh, 10 to 15 could be supplanting Chicago for that number three slot. Chicago, why the hell would anyone move to corrupt, cold, uh, high tax, non right to work Illinois when you can thrive in Dallas and Houston? We may be, Eddie, we may be looking at Dallas and Houston competing, competing for that third MSA spot for the third biggest MSA in these United States. Yeah, I think when you look at uh, why Chicago continues to grow, they had the second most amount of industrial space that's rolled out uh, there, and you're looking at, because I'm looking at a lot of real estate right now, um, it's because it's geographically um, attractive. Sure. That's the only reason. And I think that that's really awesome that they continue to grow because of where they are, the intermodals, St. Louis, um, and of course you've got um, Savannah, Georgia, you've got New York, uh, city and then uh, Seattle and Los Angeles uh, as the ports, but you know Albuquerque just isn't geogra- geographically attractive at all for industrial manufacturing production. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know I think you're not going to see populations move to places like that as we gear more into work working populations, and then of course being as you've been tracking for literally years uh, the right to work situation, which I think was. Uh, pretty good uh you know given that we have now done what we've done with businesses and we have decided to go ahead and make them responsible for the health care uh of uh, the individuals here in the city of albuquerque there's a, yet another driver of people out of the state and out of the city um folks i don't know if albuquerque at this point is salvageable um, i really don't uh, i think there's some real issues that are going to be generational the obstacle uh, generations are going to be there so it's not just chicago uh doubt being supplanted by the likes of two texas cities which is amazing in and of itself um and of course you've got austin as well but i think the um you know misfortune of uh, of other um blue cities uh, come, becoming red before we do just as a matter of survival yes. tucson and saint in san antonio both went blue they saw their murderers numbers jump, jump. And I'm glad that you're verifying all my stats and I'm glad that you're interested in all the stats. San Antonio went from 
get this, 128 murders in 20, this is after going uh, and turning blue, went from 128 to 160. Austin, Texas went from 49 to 89 murders in one year's time after turning fully blue, okay? Colorado Springs went a little bit more blue. Their numbers increased. Boise, Idaho, I don't know if there's a more red meat city and state than Idaho, Boise, Idaho at this time. Fastest growing city in the entire country um, is Boise, Idaho. Two-third Republican majority in the legislature in Idaho. It is rock rib Republican conservative. Yeah, they, they ain't letting anybody. I'm surprised it's not even higher, to be quite honest. And then you got uh, Phoenix, Arizona, which has gone consistently blue. And then Tucson, their entire city council, much like Las Cruces, they're entirely blue. They went from 68 murders to 39 or 93 murders, excuse me. Detroit has become more uh, Republican um, and has certainly become more conservative by necessity. Same thing is going to end up happening in uh, Chicago eventually. You had Cleveland, which is, uh, I think, seated a little bit more Republican, Ohio, as uh, Ohio goes, so does the rest of the country, except for this last election, of course, folks, right? I mean, th- that was an entirely different thing. And then um, more Blue City uh, Blues, uh, we had uh, Las Vegas, Nevada turning more blue, and they're pushing back. They're going to turn more red after this gubernatorial election, where they're going to elect uh, Pete Domenici's son, uh, Lex they went from 102 murders in Las Vegas to 147 murders. Albuquerque, New Mexico will have more murders than the city of Las Vegas, Nevada, if you can believe it. So, you know, those stats are real and uh, people need to pay attention uh, to their voting actually having consequences. Uh, absolutely. And uh, I think a big part of that is, frankly, the criminal justice system. Uh, many of these communities had people like uh, the guy running and well, we certainly hope doesn't win, but certainly you, you wouldn't want to bet against him given the kind of people and the resources behind him. Raul Torres, uh, criminal to criminal justice system. That's an area where I think a lot of folks on the right, they weren't paying attention. They weren't watching as these kook lefties were taking over uh, in large municipalities from huge places like San Francisco to mid-sized metro areas like Albuquerque. And we are paying a price. And you're talking to Mr. Civil Libertarian here. I'm, I'm, I'm not for throwing the book at people committing minor crimes, but we are continuing to see scary, scary dudes walking away. And I'll go back to that example uh, from a couple of weeks ago, the vehic- the potential, it hasn't been adjudicated yet, but the potential vehicular homicide of that piece of human trash who Raul Torres let walk away uh, because the case collapsed and he had something like four or five different charges against him, you know, in a felon in possession of a handgun, drunk driving and you know, other violent related things. And uh, <laughs> it, it turns out that uh, your prosecutor, your local prosecutor matters a lot uh, in keeping the bad guys off the streets. We're learning that bitter lesson here in Albuquerque. And I wish I could say it was limited to Albuquerque, but it's not. Let's talk a little bit for a moment about the cities that we are now encompassing. And I think since, you know, we're talking about the uh, latest three, Murder Mike actually just furnished us with stuff that your other news organizations are talking about. I had four texts this morning on my phone all asking me, hey, Eddie, what's going on? Can you get me more information? Murder Mike says, three homicides last night. Another shooting just occurred, may go 10-7. So that would be four. Male 20s, gunshot wound to the back. May go 10-7 at the hospital. So that would be four homicides just in the last day alone if we're counting from last night. Three homicides last night. So, uh, Murder Mike, if you would update me with the number, I believe that that puts us over 80 now, the midway through 
the uh, July. So that puts us over 80. It was very interesting to watch, uh, read the news this morning and that they actually tracked 70. The news tracked 70 after a huge jump from 58. How did they go from 58 to 70? And we're tracking the news that's coming in down. And that's a huge jump, 12 in one week. You can't report that. They corrected the numbers without actually visibly saying what the numbers were. So uh, there we are. We're now over 80 here. Uh, in the metro area, if what Murder Mike says is true, and there's no reason to see uh, why it's not. But let me let me let me go back and talk about the actual just murder rate in general, okay? Because you compared Cleveland to Albuquerque in that it's twice the size. Very quickly before we um, hit a break, I'm not sure I'm not sure why we're not at a break already. To be quite honest, uh, we'll have to see what's going on there. Um, well, I'll check on that. But doubt. These are the cities that we're now competing with. And this is not a good list uh, to be on. Here we go. Our murder rates, 28.6 per 100,000 population. Okay, 28.6. Let's see what, what cities that we are in the uh, neighborhood. Murder Mike says he'll get me those numbers here shortly and tell me exactly where we're at. Brazilian city, Fortaleza. Uh, we're also Leon, Mexico, Valencia, Venezuela, Cucuta, Colombia, uh, also Johannesburg, South Africa, Ciudad Victoria in Mexico, Morelia in Mexico, and uh, right there, uh, this was as of, these are 2018 numbers, I believe, let's see, 20, 20, these are 2015 rates, excuse me, uh, that we're having. We are about to surpass Detroit. Um, I don't know what the actual, uh, on, a, on a comparative basis, on a murderers per capita. We're about to pass Detroit, Michigan. Um, they had a 40.74 rate back in 2015. I believe they're right around hovering uh, 31, 32 per 100,000. If you could double check on that, I believe Detroit is what, you know, 1.8 million people roughly, I think, um, a little bit smaller than Las Vegas, I think, at this point. Um, but there you go. Um, that's the next stage that we're entering into, folks. The only city that we're actually trailing on a per capita basis in the entire country per 100,000 is going to be St. Louis, Missouri. And we're about to pass them in a total aggregate number because St. Louis, Missouri only has 315,000 people down. Right. So, you know, I think uh, we have to look at that. Albuquerque is more dangerous than St. Louis, Missouri. So um, that, that should be said. Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, we are going to, to pass them. I don't know what else to say uh, at this point. I don't know much uh, what's more what, that, that we actually can say. There's not a whole lot. That, well, Eddie, that I, can... I would just add to that. Um, we, you know, the most important economic development project in the history of New Mexico, of course, would be Spaceport America <laughs> and Virgin Galactic. Uh, we did not get a chance late last week to mention the fact that um, our beloved 72-year-old Mr. Branson, of course, he's not in charge of the company. It's a publicly traded company run by a board of directors. But they announced late last week that their manufacturing facility <clears throat> will be going to Mesa, Arizona. Mesa, Arizona, the Albuquerque of Phoenix, Arizona. Um, there's not a whole lot that's really attractive about Mesa for most people, 
But the fact that they're relocating their manufacturing when all of that stuff should have become here, and the fact that Michelle Lujan Grisham is not holding uh, Richard Branson's feet to the fire, right, I right. think uh, something that should also be uh, said. Dowd, you had an article out today. Did you roll something out today? And, uh, yes, uh, I did. Uh, yeah, I did, and, it, and it's a big one. <laughs> so I don't know if we need to take a break or not, Eddie, but I went, as you know, because I was texting you, and I think at some point last last Thursday evening, you closed off your notifications because you were so tired of hearing from me, but I was stuck in a public hearing for six and a half straight hours down in the beautiful community of Los Lunas. And I really, I hadn't been down to Los Lunas. I hadn't left my apartment or Corrales in two and a half years. I actually got to go down there and it was just great. I grabbed a, a burger down there. I got to walk around and see some of this, just drive around and see some of the sites. And uh, it's one of those wonderful kind of edge cities you know that book that came out in the 90s about you're you're close to a major metro but you don't have the problems of a major metro and i think sandoval county is like that to the north and uh, and valencia county is like that to the south you're you're part of the albuquerque metro as i said last hour technically the feds define the albuquerque metro as four counties sandoval bernalillo valencia and torrance but you don't deal with the horrific crime and homelessness and all that terrible stuff down uh, uh that, you, that you have to deal with the closer you get to the city. So this was a, uh, this was a big one. Uh, this, this was, uh, Eddie, I have been to, uh, hundreds of legislative hearings, zoning commission hearings, county commission, uh, uh, town hall meetings, uh, endless, endless. My, my parents got me involved in the, at a very young age, uh, into this. I don't think I've been racking my brain since the last four or five days trying to think of if I've ever done a six and a half hour stint at a public hearing before, and I don't, I think it's the greatest of my life. And this would include beyond my 30 year career because my folks got me going involved in public hearings well before I ever made any money uh, uh, in, in this business. So I was down at the transportation center in Los Lunas Thursday night for six and a half hours. Uh, got into a nice right. uh, we'll fight. Talk, let's, let's talk about that uh, for our next couple of segments, and we'll also talk about how that was actually a victory. It was. It was. Um, the uh, the you ending, know, you, you what... want to stick around for the ending, folks, because it's a happy, victorious ending for rationality and hopefully the future of our state. Well, hopefully. Um, I think hope is a poor strategy, and uh, there's not much left. And you guys already uh, showed us what you could do in terms of a mayoral election. We showed us what you could do in terms of the CD1 election. We've seen what you can do is to, you know, for a state party election. Uh, party politics is not going to solve what ails New Mexico. Let's see if the good people of the community uh, decided to go ahead and do it. And let's see if it's an oil uh, and gas win uh, for us. Well, back after a quick break here in the Kiva on AM 600KIV82.FM. Rock of Talk. Doing um, a little vertigo here this afternoon.
376 uh, people. You can't let school administrators do anything. You can't let them run the unions. You can't let them make decisions for your child. I mean, they will literally feed the next generation to the wolves. was certainly uh, done there. And uh, these were police uh, school officers who handled the situation, had uh, the FBI even, yes, the local uh, city police. Uh, everybody responded uh, uh, to this. But uh, guess who was in charge? The school administrators. More reasons. Uh, but no one's going to look at it that way. Uh, of course, uh, 550 500 here in Kia. If you want to text in, do not call in this afternoon. I've got Dow in studio, which is very cool. Uh, and I, I don't want to take too much away from Dow, but Dow's going to set the scene. Then we're going to cut to a hard break here at the bottom of the hour. But uh, Dow, as he just mentioned, spent four and a half or six and a half hours. Six I don't know how long, at least <laughs> six and a half hours. Set the scene, Dowd. What got you interested? Why were you there? And uh, approximately how many people were there? What was the subject? Well, folks, uh, imagine uh, a room, standing room only, and I think they had to, the fire marshal had to, you know, keep people outside. Uh, many, many man, soy boys with their man buns, a lot of man buns, multiple young ladies with purple hair, and mask moms. Lots of moms with their kids with masks. The young ones among us, not at, not at risk of anything, basically, unless you have some terrible, you know, pre-genital condition. Uh, children are not dying of Rona. Children have not died from Rona. Uh, not not healthy children. Uh, they were out in force. Red Nation was out in force. Uh, Miguel Garcia, the worst member of the New Mexico legislature, and I'll have some very choice quotes from him. He's a very bigoted. Uh, he's kind of like the Al Sharpton of Hispanic politicians in New Mexico. I, I never really realized just how awful he was until I had to stand behind him or sit behind him on, on Thursday night. This was a Donnie Brook, 58 speakers, six and a half hours. Uh, global warming, end of all, you know, dogs and cats living together, and I had to endure all of it. It was a county commission meeting down in Valencia County regarding a zoning change. And um, Eddie, I think a little bit of my life changed that night, Thursday, because I had some realizations that night about this state, what it is and what it's been about and what its future might be. Uh, and I didn't really like what I saw until the end when the commissioners actually voted the right way. But boy, the commentary that people offered Tells you a lot about where we find ourselves in New Mexico in 2022. Uh, this one, uh, you're going to want to stick around for this one, ladies and gentlemen, because uh, it'll, it'll change. Maybe it'll change your life the way it changed my life. <laughs> well, uh, the other thing, too, is we should also know that the good people of Valencia counties uh, were the people who voted us red, were the people who knocked out all the blue Dems, including my cousin. It got him to the uh, state house. Indeed. Very cool on that one, uh, Mr. Sanchez. But uh more importantly, I think for me personally, they all got behind me in Valencia County for CD1, the very few people who were out there for CD1. But we'll be back after uh, the bottom of the hour, a quick check, and then we'll be back in three minutes. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I'm glad uh, John Lennon was led back into the country. Maybe he was. He died six years later. I'm going to take that up.
parking last week when he was uh, at this thing in Valencia County. And before Dow gets started on all this, we got to talk about uh, what Valencia County is. And it was an amazing statistic. I know Dow remembers this. And Dowd, since 1952, what county has picked every single president until 2020? Uh, that would they be went uh, 2020. They went for Donald Trump. That would be uh, yes, Valencia County, New Mexico, just south of Albuquerque. Yes, indeed. Um, uh, and, yeah. and I to to augment your your point, Eddie. Not only <laughs> has Valencia picked from 52 to 2016, uh, it was one uh, uh, it, uh, one of the 18 of the 19 bellwether counties who'd picked the right winner from 80 to 2016. Valencia went for Trump in 2020. Only one of those 19 bellwether counties went with the uh, <clears throat> uh, winner, uh, Mr. Biden. So uh, Valencia lost its status. But then again, Valencia has a lot of company in that regard because a lot of bellwether counties lost their status in that very, very strange election of 2020 when all those bellwether counties weren't bellwethers anymore still wondering hey, how that there was no cheating doubt there was uh, <laughs> there was no cheating don't you know i mean we got to basically incriminate and take down every single trump associate that there is in fact uh, steve bannon uh his trial over defining the subpoena uh actually began with jury selection today he faces two counts of contempt on anybody associated with uh, donald trump should also know they're going to be facing similar type charges, regardless of whether or not they did anything wrong. You have to know that. Uh, he's also uh, arguing that the publicity around the recent January 6th committee hearings would taint potential jurors. Uh, no, they're going to go with it anyway. Uh, he will get an unfair trial. Steve Bannon, uh, not long for the uh, broadcasting world, I think, after this. Just over a week ago, he made a last-minute offer to testify to the panel uh, on behalf of the January 6th committee at a public hearing because his ex-boss recently waived executive privilege and did not give it to Steve Bannon. There you go. Prosecutors had disputed Bannon's privilege claim. So there you go. Valencia County getting it right every single year and probably still getting it right for the actual facts, but we don't care about facts anymore. Dowd was there for six and a half hours. What do you got, Dowd? Yeah, of course, uh, our, our, uh, our beloved Valencia County, where a lot of uh, smart people uh, reside, good, good voters reside, about 75,000 people down there just to the south of the Duke City County seat, of course, Las Lunas, where I was on Thursday. So this issue, this whole uh, Donnybrook, uh, if you want to call it that, we don't use Donnybrook enough anymore, was over a zoning change. They were basically changing the zoning rules to establish what's called a natural resource overlay zone, the NROS. And uh, an oil man by the name of uh, Harvey Yates Jr., a prominent oil man, prominent politico in the state, uh, believe it or not, he's uh, more uh, Republican than Democrat. Uh, he, uh, His family, the Yates family, his son actually was one of the people who spoke, uh, is involved in uh, their company, Jalapeno, uh, the Jalapeno Corporation, uh, they're involved in, in drilling in what they call unconventional plays. And so uh, Mr. Yates wanted to look at the regulations and the rules and whether they, we could update them in Valencia County to maybe, maybe make it a little easier to do some exploration and maybe even some production in Valencia County, south of Albuquerque. Now, this overlay zone would have not been extended into the, what they call the green belt down in Los Lunas. So the Bosque, there would be no exploration, there would be no production uh, in the Bosque, the part of the, the Middle Rio Grande Conservancy District. Uh, and one of the officials was there, not formally opposing this, but basically making it plain what her thoughts were about it. So, um, you know, it, just nothing uh, uh, crazy or irrational about this. Uh, Mr. Yates himself says, you know, this is a this is kind of a long shot. It's not not far from certain that we'll be able to find any uh, profitable deposits because don't forget, folks, it's not just the fact 
that that mineral or that energy source exists there. You've got to be able to extract it profitably. You've got to be able to get your equipment in there. You got to have the workforce. You got to have a favorable regulatory environment and you got to have a market to sell it to. So these are people who take tremendous risks uh, looking for the various resources that we use uh, every day, whether we acknowledge it or not. Uh, all those resources are put into our computers and our cars and that kind of thing. So they wanted to update the regulations. And they actually, the, the commissioner who was involved, most involved in this actually said, uh, I'm interested in also gravel pits. I'm interested in maybe some timber in some of the timber locations. Uh, and I believe the other one is brackish water. We can potentially harvest, harvest brackish water, uh, convert it, you put it to other uses, uh, make it uh, you know, usable for industrial or agriculture or that. So uh, the proposed regulation involved not just oil and gas. It wasn't just limited to oil and gas, sand, gravel, stone, uh, timber, uh, geothermal resources, or, or any other materials or substances that occur in nature and can be used for economic gain. This was uh, not all that blockbuster of a regulatory change, but what happened was our friends in the environmental movement found out about this, uh, and it was actually the, the commissioner screwed up. You have to post a public notice uh, of uh, an upcoming vote on this change on, on the zoning side. Uh, I think it's uh, two times in consecutive weeks in a newspaper of general circulation in the community and they only posted it once they blame the county attorney on it so this thing was extended uh, there had to be more hearings uh, because of the screw up they weren't conforming to the law so this gave the environmentalists and the nimbies a chance to unite uh, these were not liberty lovers uniting these were ni local nimbies and professional alarmists uniting to call mr yates uh, every name in the book and uh, call him a billionaire he actually got up thursday night and said um I i've been called a billionaire i don't know how many times tonight I'm not a billionaire. <laughs> I may be wealthy. I may be a man of resources, but uh, I'm, I'm not quite a billionaire. Uh, all sorts of, you know, hideous things were said. 58 uh, people got up to speak. Uh, obviously, a majority of them were uh, anti, anti, anti. This is going to be the end of time. Uh, we had uh, our regular uh, Norm Gaum. He's a, he's a former state official. Uh, Don Phillips, he's an anti-fracking nutcase, and I've debunked his work uh, before, and I have a link to that in the article, which you can read right now at Rock of Talk. Dot chat went up uh, earlier today, just a little time, a few hours before the show. Uh, New Mexico Environmental Law Center, the Sierra Club, uh, the young people, Eddie, of the United uh, Youth United for Climate Crisis Action, the Yucca Group, uh, they were out Yucca. in, in force. Uh, several of them, <clears throat> these were teenagers and college kids, uh, at least two of the 17-year-old, I, I don't I didn't ask this. It was said as part of testimony uh, in the public record. Uh, not a creepy old man. A 17-year-old and an 18-year-old girl were crying uh, when they were expressing their opposition to this zoning change, uh, talking about the, oh, okay. the end of time, uh, climate change coming to an end, uh, destroying uh, all of humanity. And Eddie, I wanted to, <clears throat> you know, you can't be a 49-year-old man at a public hearing and take a, a young teenager uh, aside and, and try to counsel her because, you know, you'll be arrested on the spot in stranger danger america but if it, if it had been 1971 uh i i had this vision of calling one of these girls over and just saying sweetheart i'm 49 i'm more than well over double your age my life all my life i've been heard i've heard we're going to run out of food we're going to hit peak oil we're going to run out of energy uh in the 70s leonard nimoy was talking about global cooling on in search of acid rain was going to destroy all the forests we were going to have nuclear winter after the nuclear exchange because ronald reagan was the most evil man alive the ozone hole was going to fry us all to a crisp uh genetically modified food 
was going to kill us all Y2K, all the computers were going to blow up and then we'd have kind of Mad Max. Uh, the nanotech people like Bill Joy from Sun Microsystems, he's been warning that all of our all of matter is going to be turned into gray goo. Uh, we're also we've also heard for years now about automation, AI, robots. That's going to be the end of society. And now they've gotten into your brain with climate change, climate crisis, climate emergency. Please don't throw your life away to this young lady. Go out, get an education, marry a guy, and have a lot of kids become a veterinarian, become an artist, do whatever you want. Don't throw your life away to this. Life is not as scary as you think it is. You're being used by lunatics and activists and frankly, some corporate welfare queens who are like getting their subsidies. But of course, I did not say that to this girl because I would have been uh, immediately arrested. Uh, as I said earlier, uh, Miguel Garcia, the bigoted, uh, stupidest person at the roundhouse got up and he denounced, he said it would be a sacrilegious act to have oil and gas exploration and production in Valencia County. He said that Mr. Yates would be stealing water from our centuries old acequias. Uh, there, there was actually- Acequia, yeah, Asequia. of course, uh, of was, course that's there, the argument, right? There was no, uh, no evidence behind any of his claim. Uh, he went on and on and on about how Spanish land grants were the most important thing. They were the first governments in New Mexico. My great grandma to the eighth power and my great grandpa to the seventh power, all the amazing things wow. they did. Uh, water. Oh my God! To the to the seventh power. This is new. Yeah, a yeah. new way to coin generation. <laughs> I can see idiots throughout New Mexico saying uh, they're generations of power, and that's what they're going to call it to the eleventh power. Uh, in, indeed, and, and, and stupid. I, yeah, I was actually sitting with a bunch of people who are, I guess, are part of some ancient land grant, um, and I unfortunately, uh, I'm uh, a part of a land grant. What I got into I a fight with them, which was really ugly because the guy next to me uh, said to his community members or family members, whoever was with him about how the only people who are supporting this are Yates is paying them to be here today. And I, I just turned oh to him and said, um, actually, I think this is a really good idea proposal. I've never met you, Mr. Yates and he's not paying me anything. And from there, things got really nasty. We just started screaming at, e at each other. I asked him three questions. Can you tell me the difference between uh, liquefied natural gas and natural gas liquids? I, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh, can you tell me what the global daily per barrel, you know, per barrel consumption of crude oil on planet Earth is? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh, and then what was my? Oh, the chemical formula for natural gas: uh, CH4, one carbon atom, and four uh, hydrogen atoms. He had no idea. He, he doesn't know anything yeah, about energy, but he knows that he's part of a land grant community. And Harvey Yates is an evil white man trying to destroy his land grant community. Uh, back to uh, Representative Garcia. He said that water uh, is is all that matters, and it's sacred connection to our ancient lands. Uh, he's going to steal water from our century-old uh, acequias. Uh, and uh, he really was angry about grandma and grandpa in general, not his grandma and grandpa to the seventh and eighth power. But he said that grandma and grandpa keep selling off their ranchitos and they're selling off their water rights. And what, what's happening is they are, uh, he's mad at grandma and grandpa, traditional grandma and grandpa in New Mexico. They're selling off their ranchitos and they are sacrificing the local economy to the global economy economy um i thought globalism wow. was a good thing wow. uh with these people now eddie the red nation was there they were telling the young ones were young people were telling about the prophecy of the black snake on how the black snake would destroy uh the indigenous peoples of new mexico and to them the black snake is the oil and gas industry but there's some great prophecy about the seventh generation rising up against the black snake and we are the seventh generation in red nation and youth united for climate crisis action. And we're going to defeat, you know, Mr. Yates and all of his, his evil people. Eddie, I never really realized until Thursday night, this, this iron triangle, this unholy trinity of 
Uh, you've got rich whitey. There was plenty of rich whitey there. There was a young woman, a 25 year old uh, affluent whitey who said, uh, it's so important that we listen to our indigenous brothers and sisters because of their wisdom. Um, I don't know. It seems to me a lot of native communities in this country uh, are there's horrific crime and substance abuse and all kinds of problems. I don't know that I don't know that I would point to those communities in America and say there's a lot of wisdom there. Uh, I'm not I'm not bashing them. I'm simply observing reality. But you got rich whitey. Uh, we had Man Bun. Man Bun was there. Man Bun and his wife was there. And Man, Man Bun's wife was ordering him around a lot. He was super, super soy boy cuck. But you've got this triple alliance, basically. You've got the multi-generational uh, Hispanic folks that, you know, that go back 17 generations and they love their land grant communities and any change, they want to maintain things exactly as they are, as they are. Uh, Mr. Yates or no one else can be allowed to make any changes. You've got the victimization narrative of the red nation types. Uh, you know, any, anything, you know, any, any kind of oil and gas drilling, you know, they always talk about we're a sacrifice zone. I think there was some obscure reference in a Kissinger document in the 1970s talking about the, the American Southwest being a sacrifice zone. So they've, 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 they've parlayed that phrase that was in one document in the 70s. They, I've heard it almost every meeting like this I, I've been to in New Mexico. We're still a sacrifice zone. And then you've got Rich Whitey, who Mr. Eddie Aragon has informed me and explained to me, and I, I, I get it now, these empty people who come to New Mexico looking for a culture, looking for some spiritual salvation, and they get involved in that. So we had this triple alliance, this this unholy trinity at work uh, denouncing this proposed zoning change because oil and gas is the worst thing in the world. But Eddie, what I what I got what I was taking from the Red Nation people and the land grant people was your past. This is my perspective. Your past can can ground you. But your past can also be quicksand. And I think maybe what's one of the things that's transpiring in New Mexico and the tremendous dysfunction in this state is this preference, this this silly vision of this Rousseauian pastoral uh, ancient ways. Nothing can ever change. We live in harmony with the land. Uh, one of the young Indian active, native indigenous activists said, "You're uh, referencing you're referencing uh, Jean Jacques Rousseau's social contract. Uh, indeed, uh, indeed. Basically, no one no one being involved uh, above anybody else. Well, sort well, of what's modernity, happening in, in every the, the modernity and civilization and the Western concept of progress is a corrupting force, and that man right. is naturally good, and man living in nature in harmony with nature." Uh, is the preferred approach. And of course, we did that for a long time as homo sapiens and everybody died at 31. So I'm, I'm actually kind of glad we have civilization and industry and, and I, I think it's a good thing. But this one young lady was screaming at Mr. Yates, this is our land, this is our home, this is our livelihoods. And I, I didn't, it, it hadn't occurred to me until that night, Thursday, last Thursday, when my life changed a little bit, the extent to which these three forces have coalesced to take what on, on the surface is a good idea, honor the past, recognize the past, realize what good from the past we can keep with us in modernity while we are pursuing a better life for all of us. Uh, maintain the good stuff, uh, respect, uh, you know, myths and artwork and, 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 and keep it with us to the extent that we judge it to be beautiful. We continue to judge it to be beautiful, but that those, those roots become quicksand. It becomes a swamp mire where you are kept in that and you can't conceive of any kind of change coming along and potentially even making your life better. What the Yates family is proposing, and, and listen, I, I don't know much about the Yates family. I know that they fund the Republican Party a lot. Uh, I'm not a fan of the Republican Party in this state. The Republican Party Republican Party hacks engineered my firing a couple of years ago. I, I don't know if the Yates has had anything to do with that. I'm talking about their role. Uh, I'm talking about their role as risking investment 
in this potential uh, hydrocarbon source in Valencia County, which they may spend a lot of money and, and lose all their money and have no, have no profitable resources come out of this. But the the approach from, again, that triple alliance, rich whitey who lacks their own meaning and came here to glom onto some other culture, the multi-generational uh, Spanish culture going back to the land grants, and then the red nation radical types, the way to which these people have united and I think it's a, maybe it's the dominant reason we can't have nice things in New Mexico, because to them, any change, any any uh, manifestation of progress, potential progress, capitalism, anything that's seen as profitable. Uh, again, they were constantly bad mouthing the Yates family because of their wealth. I don't know. I don't, I don't hate rich people. I've never gotten a job from a poor person. Uh, I, I've probably done pretty well by a lot of rich people in my life. So I come at it from a very, very different uh, perspective. But for six and a half hours, I had to think about this, Eddie, and to see w the dysfunction at work with these people, it was really uh, frightening. Uh, very, 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 very frightening. The Yates family is proposing a very simple zoning change that will help them do some exploration and maybe some potential production, not in a way that's the Permian Basin. You're not going to see tens sure. of thousands of, of rigs and wells set up. Uh, Mr. Yates said they have enough water okay. rights for sure. 10 for ten wells in Valencia County. It's not going to be in the green belt. It's not going to be part of the Rio. It's going to be to the east, far out to the county on the east side if any of this happens. So I had to sit there and listen to this, Eddie. It really did change my life because I, I – the dysfunction goes so deep and you see these three elements sure. and Eddie Aragon has been a major contributor. I don't, I would not have understood it to the extent that I, if I understand it at all, I would not understand it to the extent that I do, if not for Eddie Aragon and his insight being a native New Mexican and the good news I've, I've been, I've been just running my mouth with all sorts of nightmare scenarios. The good news is folks three to two, the overlay zone passed commissioners, all Republicans, two voted against it, three voted for it. It looks like we may have some exploration activity by Yates and, and potentially other other people uh, producing more uh, potential oil and gas in New Mexico. So this was a this was a victory. At least three county commissioners stood up to this. But don't forget, these are the people who uh, they think globally, but they act locally. They will be present at every hearing like this moving forward. Uh, one of our um, subscribers just commented this morning, I live in Valencia County, and I didn't even know about this until I just read this down. So, I mean, they <laughs> monitor these things, and they are out willing to fight nonstop. Kudos to the three Republican commissioners who voted for this. Uh, I don't know why the two voted against it. You guys seem like kind of cucks and cowards to me. But anyway, we had a majority win on this. Eddie, this was a day after... The feds uh, approved the environmental assessment for the Holtec site down uh, in on the on the border of Lee and Eddy County down uh, for the uh, spent nu nuclear fuel, which maybe means that project is moving forward. We had two big wins for economic development in New Mexico last week. Big, big, big wins. But Eddie, the dysfunction was on display for six and a half hours. I had to endure these people, uh, even at one point uh, having a screaming match with a couple of them. Uh, in New Mexico, and New Mexico has a fascinating history and a fascinating past and such a unique place in our country. But I think, Eddie, those roots in New Mexico have atrophied. They've become uh, mushy and they become quicksand. And it's miring New Mexico with these kinds of mindsets uh, to the point where, uh, again, you know, we can't have nice things. We can't have something as simple as a zone change to allow some more energy production and to allow jobs to be created and more revenue to come in. Uh, what I saw Thursday night, uh, it chilled me to the core. And I don't think until Thursday night, I really understood just how serious the problem is. But boy, I got a belly full that night. Uh, a good, a good, a good outcome. 
But boy, what I saw, we have a lot of minds to change in this state if we're ever going to really wow. drag drag this state into the 21st century and, in, and into the United States as a as a functioning, growing, uh, yeah. pro-progress state. It's not going to happen. And um, I think the reality is the fact that you realize that and that you're there in front of it. And uh, these people are entrenched. Uh, they're they're making illogical arguments to argue, and they're changing nomenclature. I mean, now they're talking about generations to the if I have seventh generation yes. to the seventh power to the eighth power. So they're framing things differently, and they realize how powerful these ideas are to stupid people. And there's stupid people all around New Mexico. The problem is, is there's stupid people who are running the state of New Mexico, and they're very vindictive. Um, I would also include, um, despite the fact that you have decided to. You know, go to the extent that you have to defend uh, to, to defend uh, Harvey Yates. Uh, I will say that Harvey Yates was also a big uh, campaign contributor to Manny Gonzalez. So oh. um, that's something that should be stated uh, just in spite of the fact. You know, one of the things that stupid people are is they're vindictive, they're hard headed, and you know we've done a good thing here for Harvey to expose them on the other side of what it is. Um, but these people also have a mean streak and they will go against Republicans. So as much as they quote unquote, like to wear the brand, let's not forget, uh, that, uh, Harvey Yates was behind, uh, Manny Gonzalez uh, during the mayoral election. So I wouldn't let that go out. Sure. By the way, we're at 81 homicides, 81 homicides. Um, so we are on, on pace for 155 homicides, uh, for the year at a record breaking pace. And, uh, your news is certainly uh, going to catch up. We'll take a quick break, uh, here in the Kiva and uh, back to wrap the hour uh, very quickly uh, as well. Yeah, Lollapalooza back in 1991 was started and little James Addiction there. Been caught stealing. That's all that's happening in New Mexico. And I'm going to thank everybody for tuning in. Back in three. It's a Like El Paso, El Paso, 
by contrast, in 2020, only had 28 homicides. We had more murders in the month of January and February of this year, Dowd, than El Paso had in all of 2021. Yeah, I don't know how else we need to compare this for you, folks, but Texas is just down the road. Uh, I'm a... Uh, well, Texas uh, here this afternoon, um, you know, a lot to get to. I've got uh, so many articles that I've cut from so many places. Doubt. I just want to commend you on a uh, nice job there and spending the six and a half hours. I don't think it was, uh, oh, I don't know what to say about that, but it's not going to turn the corner. I'd also like to talk about Trump, the PGA, and uh, the soon-to-be defunct PGA uh, tour. Uh, the best players are now joining the Live Tour, uh, owned by the Saudis. Uh, we will soon soon be using a, a different currency than the dollar uh, to peg everything against and uh, a lot more. We're going to be moving to the other side and Dubai is going to be the center of the world uh, here in about 10 to 15 years. And even Sting acknowledged this more than, what, 20 years ago when this was recorded. This is one of his favorites. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hour three, you and me, the Dow makes three. Thanks for checking in. We stood up and made the tough choices needed to be made to preserve our way of life.
Yes, you've. Uh, I, I, as, what's the phrase? I like what you've done with the place. Uh, I'm, I may be coming in a little more often now. <laughs> it's, uh, I still like the, the traffic light. I think that's my 
my my top choice, but the bar is 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 very 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 cool. Um, we need to talk to the building superintendent about air conditioning in the studio. But other than that, things are are really quite exciting. Uh, and I, Eddie, I'm just in a good mood. I, you know, I, as I said, uh, I don't know if you heard at the very start of the show. I was up in Los Alamos over the weekend, up at the Science Fest up there, and uh, you know, with all its problems, you can still find kind of moments of of uh, of interest, of uh, of uh, delight, of beauty, of whimsy here uh, in in the great land of enchantment. Uh, my my best. My best pickup uh, Saturday at the book sale, my 29 books for 30 bucks, was a, a printout of a conference in 1964 about the peaceful uses of uh, nuclear explosions. There was a, a project back in the day called Project Plowshare, and I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of people listening to me right now, this is New Mexico, know exactly what I'm talking about, uh, where yeah, they were I going do. to, I think uh, Edward Teller was really big, big behind Project Plowshare. Uh, this was not a partisan thing. Uh, I think it began under Eisenhower, continued under Kennedy, uh, where they were going to use nuclear explosions to carve out harbors and change the courses of rivers. Uh, they had a plan. They had five different proposals for a second uh, Latin American uh, canal to augment the Panama Canal. Um, and then there was, uh, I think it's Cajon, Cajon Pass in Southern California that the, 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 the railroads have a difficult time go, going up at that gradient. They were going to use nuclear explosions uh, to whittle that down and make it you know, easier, make it more flat. Uh, I, I'm just a Cold War junkie. And when you go up to Los Alamos for the, for the annual book sale, you can get some really interesting documents up there. So uh, uh, f- fun, fun time was had by the Dowd 3000. I lived up across the, from Ashley Pond down uh, there. So, and then we, have, we of course, were broadcasting for, I don't know, 14 months. And you know, now that radio station is defunct. As you know, KRSN no longer on the air. Yep. It went blacked out after yep. I decided to go ahead and let them go. And look, uh, let's not forget uh, avowed communists like Oppenheimer and his wife and other derelicts uh, up there oh, in yeah. Los Alamos were the ones who created... The Hemis Springs, the, uh, the gay pedophile population that's uh, up there that thrives and continues to thrive uh, up there. And uh, it's all behind very hush hush. Uh, interesting, uh, Glenn Beck had the expose on the Department of Energy head and his uh, gay lifestyle, uh, not to mention his proclivity for probably some of the most venomous um, things. I guess, in homosexual culture um, that I, I guess I could say. And uh, if you've been following Glenn Beck, he is on to that horse that he will not let go. And I got to say, I'm very proud of him. Um, I don't know if you guys heard at the top of the hour, um, but the 29, 30 potential uh, house seats that we're going to pick up, well, they're not forecasting anything in the state of New Mexico. They're not uh, forecasting one, two, and we one or three, and we possibly might lose uh, two. Um, the chances of Yvette Harrell coming out of uh, CD2 are going to be slim, folks. She's going to need all the help you possibly can give her. Um, so whatever you can do, wherever Yvette Harrell is with regards to me, I really don't care. But you got to do your very best to try and get her elected. So um, she's on the thinnest of margins, Dowd. Yep. Um, yep, Nicole's yep. coming out. She uh, has three points, three-point lead on the uh, person who is chosen out of Las Cruces to come out of that. And he has no name recognition whatsoever, but uh, there you go. Conservatives will absolutely be destroyed. And it's hard to believe the ironic thing is we are the most conservative state, you know, religiously, um, uh, certainly the way that we were founded historic. uh, And that we just have this penchant for wanting to become the most progressive liberal state in the entire country. And what's ultimately going to do is 
with this uh, affinity that we've developed between uh, between two places, Washington D.C. and the state of New Mexico, and more specifically Santa Fe. They're the same types of inhabitants that own both places, and they run the state, folks. So, uh, Ron Ketty's going to need all your help to get out of uh, his gubernatorial run. Uh, shots being taken. They're taking anything that they can get. Uh, I believe Steve Smotherman, um, well, I guess it was, they're, they're making a mountain out of a molehill. I guess uh, Steve had indicated that he wasn't particularly happy about the 15 week. Uh, this isn't a time to be fundamentalist. We'll take, we'll take every inch we can possibly get. And you have to play the politics smart. So I think they took what Steve Smotherman said. They tried to use him to divide their own congregation. This yep. is what they do. Okay. So Ron, anything is better than Michelle Lujan Grisham, but please, I don't think there's any reason whatsoever to attack Mark Ronchetti on anything. And I've been telling you that since day one, and now everybody seems to be following suit. Uh, I don't want to hear about him being a rhino or what. Like, seriously, Mark Ronchetti, I'll take him a million times out of a million over uh, Michelle Lujan Grisham. And if you're the Republican that's going to start, you know, uh, telling me about uh, Mark Ronchetti being a rhino or anything else, I don't want to hear you. I don't want to see you. Uh, Mark is the only way out, and he's all you got, so you better stick with him uh, the best you can. And your fellow Republican gubernatorial candidates like Jay Block, uh, unfortunately, once you send a quote out to the observer, all you have to do is look at the real rancho observer. I mean, Jay is never going to get included for how hard he hit Mark Ronchetti uh, during the primary, which is why you don't pull the gloves off during that. I mean, it was a very bloody, quite possibly the bloodiest gubernatorial um, primary, I think that we've ever had doubt. Is that fair? It was rough. It was rough. Uh, yeah, I don't think it could be any worse uh, than it was. And then, if you are in Karen Benoni's camp, don't even talk to me again. <laughs> Seriously, um, I mean, I know all these politicians pretty well, but you know, Mark's going to need all the help that we can get because it's the only way that we're going to be able to get a win. Five fifty, fifty, five hundred. If you want to go ahead and uh, text in. Um, the problem with people like my godfather, the deacon in the Catholic Church. He is rich and votes Democrats every single time. Well, that is, uh, we see that a lot from Democrats. <laughs> Great song by Pink, I get it. Yeah, some of you guys really pay attention to the music that I uh, put together. Is this conservative radio or not? Here we go. Uh, you're, yeah, I think we're going to go ahead and end that conversation forever tonight. Uh, let's see. J-Man says, unless Donald Trump somehow moves to Albuquerque or someone just like Trump, We'll never compete with Houston, Dallas, Denver, or Phoenix. Uh, folks, we will never compete with any of those cities as long as we have the um, – and, and I'm in a better position to sort of induce a, a different level of thinking, if you will, uh, than anybody. And, you know, the, the gains are incremental. They're small, but we'll take whatever we can. And if we can change one or two people a day, it's worth us being on the radio. That's what we try to do. The extended Trump family are some of the most intelligent, eloquent people you will ever see in the political world. Sorry to hear about Ivana, a truly interesting and well-spoken woman. Yes, she was a woman. There you go. Notice about a third of the passengers and all of the TSA are masked up at the Sunport this afternoon. It's the first time that I've flown in over a year. And two reports, BLM mismanagement of American wild horses, burdening taxpayers. I don't know how much I should pay attention to that, but it is something interesting. U.S. public paying hundreds of millions to fund wild horse roundups, the American wild horse campaign. I don't know if you want to look at look at the, any of that, um, but uh, you're certainly welcome to. Lots of uh, good comments also coming by way of our Rock of Talk chat audience, which seems to be more involved by the day, which is pretty cool. We appreciate uh, those people who pay to be involved and the uh, contributions that they foster and the positive thinking 
that they continue to push forward. I do want to say that I was watching a little bit of the British Open, and I knew that Rory McIlroy um, was not going to win. Uh, I will say that. I actually told my dad because, you know, it's, it's drive for show, putt for dough. And, um, you know, I couldn't help but think of the tragedy um, that struck uh, down in, in Texas, here in Texas, uh, when a Hobbs, te- Hobbs uh, uh, golf team, a community college team, I don't know if you remember, Dow, I don't yep. know if you picked this up, but yep. they finally came to a conclusion. Yeah, this conclusion on this uh, accident, I thought it was the University of New Mexico when I first heard of it, and it doesn't matter. Um, seven people tragically died. And they were trying to blame the 14-year-old, uh, Dowd, oh. I think the 14-year-old kid. And this happened on March 15th in Andrews, Texas. The adult was actually behind the 2007 Dodge pickup truck, not the little boy that was in. He was actually in the passenger seat. He also lost his life. This was at the University of the Southwest, which is out of Hobbs, New Mexico. The men's and women's golf teams were traveling together. And it's Heinrich Siemens uh, at the time. According to NCSB, the Office of Highway Safety told reporters that investigators made the initial determination that the 13-year-old passenger was the driver on the information available at the time and noted the wreck was, quote-unquote, catastrophic. They made the understanding of some details that crashed very difficult, so they had to backtrack, which is why you don't want to make assumptions and why I think we need to ask more questions than give answers, uh, certainly in the case of our four officers or three officers and one fire department fighter. Uh, that happened uh, on Las Ve- in Las Vegas, uh, New Mexico, on Saturday night, and we'll talk more about that. I reference it one more time, and again, on behalf of all everybody here at the radio station, and uh, certainly everyone listening, and I think our community expresses the deepest condolences that I possibly can for the loss of those people who gave all and did every day of their lives while they were employed as either Burley County uh, uh, Sheriff's Office uh, police officer or a fire department official. The report, uh, going back to the Andrews, Texas accident, said that further toxicological tests found meth in the driver's blood. So there you go. Uh, full-blown DUI. It was found that it's all found in the system, and it affects driver performances. How? Well, I don't really know how. Just like we don't know marijuana, how it really affects driver's performance. But we know that it does, and we know that we can't test for it. You can't test for, uh, for people on meth either. Uh, during a DUI stop. It's too early to say if the finding we have in the toxicology report had any factor in this crash, but they will determine it. The golf team's coach, six athletes were killed, in addition to two other team members uh, being seriously injured, and then the driver, as well as his son, were both dead on the scene. So a total of nine uh, in all. The NTSB also reversed another preliminary statement by them. The new analysis found that contrary to initial reports, there was no evidence of sudden or rapid loss of tire air pressure or any other indicators like a blowout or anything else um, that's there. Evidence of a sudden rapid loss of tire pressure or any indicators of catastrophic failure of his pickup truck uh, left there. Malloy said the investigation will continue and they will be able to surmise everything that has happened there by 2023. So um, very sad, but that's what was on my mind. And, I was thinking also of, you know, this whole new live tour. And I'm not sure how much people pay attention. That's my son, by the way, coughing in the background there, D-Dowd Muska. He's hanging out. He's had a, is, was it hot today? I mean, we had triple digits out in Albuquerque, but let me tell you, we hung out at the, the water park all day yesterday. Oh. And 
my the little seven year old and the ten year old they're going all the way to the deepest ends of the wave pool. Um, both of them know how to dive down. Wow. So it's really great. Oh yeah, big dives too. Not not just little dives falling over it. I know adults who won't dive. <laughs> oh, you do. Yeah. So yeah, these these two both dive. And uh, plenty of sun, plenty of swim uh, was all involved. And also we welcomed a new family member, which is uh, the main reason why I'm down here. It was, uh, uh, I had made the claim that it would happen on July 13th, um, but it ended up happening on July 16th, which was Saturday. And we welcomed a seven pound, six ounce Jace into the family. So, nice. uh, Jace Horn. So, uh, also AKA Spike, uh, <laughs> what we're calling him. I like it. Uh, born, uh, and, uh, I wanted to name him Buck because he was going to be born during the Buck full moon on the 13th, 14th. Um, but, uh, that is my goddaughter's child, her first. So I am now a, yep. Great uncle. Dowd. There you go. I am a great uncle. Oh boy. So you can actually say in one way, you know, Never talk about how good I am at anything, but uh, at least now I can actually uh, put the word great in front of my, because my <laughs> sister had kids at such a young age, and she's doing very well for herself and her family, but I could say I'm great in one way. I'm a great uncle, so little Jace makes me a great uncle. And, so and we'll repeatedly have said uh, over the years that the, there's some young woman in America right now who doesn't, <laughs> who doesn't know that she will end up marrying my nephew. And when they start having kids, I'm going to show up the same way I did when my nephew was born and stay for 11 years to help raise the kids. And she's going to have to decide very early on that she's going to be willing to put up with me because if she decides the other course, it's, her life's going to be very, very difficult. You know, uh, uh, great uncle Didi's going to be around. You're just going to have to accept this. Okay. He's going to be taking care of the kids. He's, he's not good with adults. He's good with dogs and children. And he did it with your husband and he's going to be around for the great nephews and nieces too. So just deal with it, lady, young woman, wherever you are in America, I don't know you, but I'm just telling you decide ahead of time. You're going to like me. It's going to make everything easier for all of us. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, pop in, come here, Sam, come pop in the, the rock of talk TV right over here. He's had a hot day um, because it is very, very hot here. So you can say, hi, there's, there's Samuel. I don't know if you can see him or not. So there he is uh, for everybody to see. So just hanging out over here. Okay. So let's, um, let's jump into this live tour and Donald Trump and how he's, be how he's involved in the sports world and why this actually matters. And where is Trump's brain? Okay. Now Trump came out this weekend and he's already made a decision running for president. Uh, you can cast that in the affirmative. Uh, my best thought is based upon the midterms, that DeSantis will not declare for president is what's going to end up happening. So I don't think that Ron DeSantis will declare for president. I think he'll keep as much money as he possibly can. And I think either he runs as VP and decides to jump in on that. This is what I'm thinking. Okay. Um, or in the event that something catastrophic comes um, towards Donald Trump legally or in some other form or fashion, and we've already known what's happened to his ex-wife uh, over the, the past week. Um, if something should happen or befall uh, President Trump, then DeSantis steps in. I think after, and, and I think conservative media needs to stop this top of the hour news stuff, where they anticipate this huge windfall. Where they, uh, it, we we cannot be counting our kitchen our, our chickens before they hatch. We can't do this. I think it's just complete and total foolishness. So don't talk about things 
in terms of, you know, this is a for sure win. We're going to need every single person uh, out there. By the way, someone from the Smotherman congregation has texted me. Stephen, his whole congregation supports anybody running against MLG. He did mention that Ron Ketty was supporting abortion at this point. But once he wins the governor's spot, he will have other opportunities to change our current laws. But there's no reason to pick on people at this point, folks. I don't care. Like, anything you hear negative about Mark Ronchetti, just strike it from the record, okay? Period. I don't care what you have to do. Just there's only one enemy, and that is the person that is running our state. I cannot be more clear about this. Okay. So to hear about Donald Trump's frame of mind, he's involved in this dispute between the PGA and LIV. And here's how it, this is all coming about. And I just love this. I love what he's doing because the golf world is all the people with money, all the Republicans on the tour, all the people who aren't woke. Okay. I'm no longer a Tiger Woods fan, by the way. I'm done with Tiger Woods, especially after this week. And I think Tiger Woods is done with Tiger Woods. I think he didn't even make the cut. He had no chance at making the cut in the British Open. And certainly your family was probably watching that. Uh, doubt over the weekend. Uh, Edward, sure my brother, stroke. my brother-in-law. I'll do you one better. My brother-in-law worked at the British Open this past weekend. Uh, he was a marshal uh, because uh, he's very active, of course, in, in all things Scottish and golf. And you, you probably saw a really tall, lanky Scotsman uh, walking around, you know, directing people with the vest on or whatever. And that was uh, brother-in-law Duncan. Oh, there he was, Duncan, working the course, the old, the old course. Apparently, Tiger's favorite. Oh. So the putter is the one who won. Um, what is his name? Mr. Smith, okay? The Australian uh, with the, whatever you call that, um, it starts with an M, that, that type of hairdo that they got that's grown out mullet, right? So Patrick Reed came out, okay? And he's this sort of bad boy of golf. And he says he's the, they say that he's the most controversial player on the tour, and he trolled the PGA by wearing Live logos all over his apparel. Now remember, PGA kicked Donald Trump's courses off. They got rid of every Trump course. They didn't want to play anything at any Trump course whatsoever. But this guy, Patrick Reed, teed off on Thursday with all the Live logo all over him, which is very interesting. And I was watching more of this for the politics than I was for the competition. So there's a lot more money. The Saudis are literally buying all of the PGA uh, players who are coming in. He says, uh, here it is. I've never cared much for Pat Patrick Reed. He's just not one of kind of, one of the people to work, uh, root for, but I respect how he's all in on what he's going for. And I think people within the PGA who've made all this money, I mean, the average PGA player makes something like three and a half million dollars a year. So these are real millionaires, folks, that are out there on the tour. I think they're upset as much as anybody about the fact that Donald Trump and his, so this gives them a chance and it gives the Saudis a chance to go against Joe Biden. You would have thought, if anything, they would have been on, on board with the Democrats, right, with the liberals, but not so. We've seen what's happened with Biden going across the pond, hanging out in the UAE in Saudi Arabia. Now, here's, here's where it gets interesting. The list of the uh, the players, because I don't know, they're, they're not disclosing who they're voting for, who they're with. You know, we don't know what the political affiliations, they have more of a tendency to stay away from that. Literally, um, six of the top 10 players in the PGA 
they're basically all live players right now. Wow. And we've talked about the woke NBA. Now we have woke golf players. The PGA was also going to be non-existent at this rate because they're willing to pay more and they're willing to open up to any course, um, including all of Donald Trump's courses. And Donald Trump owns a lot of golf um, properties, okay? What the media has been doing is it's been trying to villainize the Live Golf uh, Association, which is LIV is what it is. Phil Mickelson, which is my favorite golf player by far. It's not even close. The guy's just hilarious. He's funny. And he's lefty. He's the best. Dustin Johnson, Lee Westwood, Taylor Gooch, Bryson DeChambeau. Um, let's see who else we have right here. They're all accusing the media of stoking uh, these flames, these controversial flames ahead of the British Open instead of focusing on the golf. He says, I think the media are stoking it up and doing as much as they can to aid it. I think the general public just want to go out there and see good golf no matter where it's being played or who's playing it. Now, let's not forget what the PGA has done over the last 10, 15 years. They have gone from as woke as they possibly can be to, well, some of the actual purses have been declining. There's two reasons for that. One, the lack of Tiger Woods being as part of the, the PGA. Uh, there hasn't been a consistent story inside the PGA. They've tried to play up these storylines, rivalries. You know, um, I believe that Dustin Johnson is married to Wayne Gretzky's daughter. You know, so they try to play up Dustin Johnson for a while. Um, that uh, guys like Ian Poulter are, have left the PGA. Like these people aren't with the PGA. And the PGA, the Professional Golfers, Golfers Association, down as your um, brother-in-law likely knows, um, has has not had the TV ratings, has not had the attention, oh. hasn't had anything that it that it used to have when Tiger Woods was around. So, you know, everybody used to just play on the PGA just as long as Tiger was in, everybody was making more money because it was more attention paid. As long as Tiger was making money, now Tiger's not even making the cut. And these players, this is going to be the first true billionaire. And Tiger just became a billionaire, by the way, the latest athlete to become a billionaire. You have LeBron James. And let's not forget LeBron and his little storyline with the, with Boston. He called all of the Boston uh, Celtics fans basically racist. And then on further, further looking in, you can look this up. Guess who owns the Boston Red Sox? Yeah, LeBron James and his group. They own Liverpool. They, yeah, <laughs> hard, hard to believe. So, you know, these people, ultimately what they only care about is, is money. So Phil Mickelson has left the PGA, okay? Phil Mickelson has basically come out, and he is recruiting people within the PGA to move over to the Live Golf Tour. I mean, we're maybe two to three years at most if this uh, trend continues. Just like we're seeing with American uh, companies, from this being completely replaced. Now, I'm going to I'm going to do you one better. There is another industry that has this has already happened to, and that's the horse racing industry. All of the most expensive, most coveted races in the world now belong all to Dubai. They have a big day at the end of March where they have the Dubai World Cup. We canceled. The Kentucky Derby. Do you remember that? Right after the dead heat that, that happened, and then they changed the very top, and they actually canceled. They delayed the Kentucky Derby. It used to be the first Saturday in May. You know, it was a huge, huge day, practically a national holiday. Everybody paid attention to it or something. 
That tradition is now gone. You can't even tell me in the last three years who has won the Kentucky Derby because nobody's paying attention to it. And if you go back and you look at the radio, the uh, TV ratings of the Kentucky Derby, no one's watching it. But more and more people are watching the Dubai World Cup, the richest day in horse racing history. Because if you ask anybody off the street, most Americans are like, well, I don't know, Secretariat? I don't know, Sunday Silence? Uh, I don't know, Ali Sheba? They don't know. They have no current recollection well, of what's happened. Barbaro so the Saudis is the last with, one I remember. Barbaro. There you go, Dad. <laughs> there you go. It just it just doesn't exist. So this woke culture has completely blasted through all of our sport, and it's killing our culture, all of our sports industries now as well. It also includes those that are actually a, of a more competitive nature. Um, look, you only get paid if you win, or you only get paid if you do well, which is horse racing and golf. And the Saudis have found a way to go ahead and supplant both of those, and both of those are no longer going to be around. So here's how Trump factors into all this, which is super cool. Okay? Guess what Trump is doing? Trump is going to be hosting a number of these live golf events. He's not with the PGA. Money. Revenge, disruption is the way NBC News is spinning this. International intrigue. These hallmarks of Donald Trump business brand are all colliding in his latest political controversy involving the world of professional golf. Trump National Golf Club bed minister in New Jersey, where they kicked him off, by the way. They got rid of Donald Trump. The PGA got rid of him because he was an impeached president. Go back and look. Host its first tournament of the Live Golf Series, funded by Saudi Arabia which is up, upending the sports establishment with a $2 billion investment and in contracts with top players that reported they will reach $100 or $50 million or more for each of the top 10 players, folks. They don't even have to do anything but swing a golf club and put their name on top of the leaderboard. That's right there. Absolutely incredible. So, the news media is trying to do what it can to go ahead and save it, but to what end? NBC doesn't get ratings. ABC doesn't get ratings. CBS doesn't get ratings. MSNBC, CNN, none of them get ratings anymore. People aren't paying attention to any of this stuff. Folks, this is the richest, just like the Saudis. Look what they gave Donald Trump. Donald Trump is going to host at his country club the richest golf event in the history of the sport. A $50 million purse at his signature Florida course. This is what Donald Trump has been doing. Guess where it's at? It's in, in Miami at the Doral. An infusion of unknown millions in addition. In addition to this, unknown millions are going to be infused into this event, which began to struggle all when he started running for president. The PGA came after him. The PGA didn't want to host anything because he was running for president. So the Saudi sums could end up coming in, and Donald Trump, all the money that he's lost, will likely go probably into the billions of dollars. He'll be able to make back, and I got to tell you, I am so excited about this because our president, in as much as I have not been supportive of him wanting to make a run, and, and it has a lot of it to do because, one, he's been a liability, I think, to himself. I think to many... Other people sort of feel that way uh, as well. But, you know, mostly I, I want him
So anyway, this money that he has lost when he ran for president, he's going to be able to make much of this money back just on his golf properties alone. So there is a silver lining in the midst of all this. And now we know what Donald Trump has been up to. He's been working with the Saudis on you know, kind of bringing this. And no wonder Joe Biden, this makes all the sense in the world. No wonder Joe Biden has been so adamantly and making such a big, huge deal about the Khashoggi. He thought he could do something with this Khashoggi piece. Nobody cares enough about this. Isn't it interesting that the Democrats didn't make it a big deal about this when Donald Trump was president? So it's just very interesting uh, what's been happening. Fascinating. Uh, I, I knew nothing of that, Eddie, and you walked me through it, and I think you probably informed a lot of the listeners, too. Um, Trump, <laughs> I think Trump, in many ways, will be achieving revenge as the years roll on. Uh, when, when most of the people who are coming at you are making stuff up or, or believing nonsense, nonsense, the truth will out, as, uh, as, uh, as it is often said. <laughs> wow. The other thing that's uh, pretty cool uh, in the midst of all this, too, is this is going to help his kids. Uh, quite a bit. Okay. His kids are going to get, and they're going to they're going to uh, make a lot of money off of of all this because these are actually his his kids. Um, kids um, let me see if I could shoot this down. There we are. Now we got it off. Okay, perfect. Um, his kids are going to see a lot of this money. So his, remember, his kids lost a lot of business opportunity just based upon the fact that you know with his last name. But guess who's running all his his golf? his commercial property and also his, let's not forget that Donald Trump has a winery um, in, uh, in Thomas Jefferson's estate. I don't know if anybody has even talked about that. You know, you have one of the best um, American wines around. Um, Donald Trump has his name all over it. Of course, it's one of the best and it has not seen its heyday. Not to mention it has not got good reviewers from enophiles and, and wine um, uh, critics alike. Uh, likely, obviously, because of his um, uh, his politics. So there you go. So there you go. Donald Trump is gearing a comeback. According to Gary Williams, Trump is loving this. Couldn't be happier right now. He's loving the revenge. He's loving the attention. He's loving the money in all of this. Um, they also played. Uh, apparently, Donald Trump is likely to play in the uh, in the event as well as sort of like a pre uh, whatever. So this is going to be a huge send off um, and it's going to get rid of the woke sports world uh, and all this. So very good. So I just wanted to share that with everybody while everyone was watching the British open. You should also know the backstory on how Donald Trump is, uh, you know, kind of uh, giving them their comeuppance. So um, some other front page news. Um, I did say during first hours, Secret Service, uh, Mike Pence also subpoenaed, uh, and Donald Trump has been subpoenaed as well to appear in front of the January 6th committee. As Cheney now meets her demise, I believe that she will be supplanted uh, in the Wyoming primary. That's uh, what's coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Is that about right? People in Corrales are going to be devastated, Eddie. Uh, they just are. I, I know so many Liz Cheney fans uh, there. and uh, I have not told them yet that she has a 100% pro-life rating for from the American Nas National Right to Life Committee. You know, So they, they couldn't handle that cognitive dissonance because they love Liz so much. KOB Channel 4 featuring a number of articles on the January 6th stuff. I don't think it's lost on us, um, you know, that they are having to put into the bylines um, the Secretary of State. Uh, they try to uh, amp up the threats that were going towards her. Uh, that would be Maggie Toulouse Oliver. 
Uh, she says that she was threatened. I'm not sure if we've ever even talked about that doubt, but that's also part of the same sort of January 6th strain sure. uh, in that, you know, Republicans, yep, conservatives, yep. the people in Otero County. I know that the, the county commissioners in Otero County you know, this weekend are, are sort of uplifting their pro-life message uh, again. But, uh, you know, uh, I think the, the fight really really does continue, but it's, it's a fight against misinformation more than it is uh, at the polls, because at the polls, I think we're more than outmatched. We know that the Democrats in the state already spent $52 million. I, right now, am getting a text from one of our listeners who is one of the most negative guys, but at the very same time, I should say most, not negative, but cynical, he says, Grusin will remain governor, no hope, Democrats loyal to garbage here in the state. Uh, I don't know that they even need to be loyal. We know that the polls... And what we've learned, especially with the uh, stat that we threw out last last uh, hour, which is as Valencia County has voted since 1952 until until all the way into 2020, uh, every single time the Democrat, uh, every single time the way that the Valencia County has voted, that's who has won president, uh, and until last time around. Yep. Uh, Eddie, on the disinformation front, we have a good uh, link to a Breitbart article on the Daily Blast today. Uh, NPR, the taxpayer covered, I think Ray Kroc's wife gave them a lot of money, but I, I don't think she pays all of their budget. I think it's still coming out of your wallet, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, for the record, uh, there are no tax subsidies that I'm aware of that uh, the Rock of Talk is involved with uh, at, at, any, at any level, but uh, they're launching a disinformation reporting team. Uh, and this was flagged by Molly, Molly Hemingway, who wrote the book Rigged, which I've been recommending because it really looks at the 2020 election from the perspective of big tech, big media, and then the changing of the various laws and regulations and all the court decisions and settlements that were made in terms of how the election was, was, was controlled that year. It's a really good, very straightforward look at a very weird election year. Uh, not, not, not any of the conspiracy stuff. She doesn't talk about the CIA data center in Germany that showed that Trump won 48 states and you know, all that's all, all that crazy stuff. Uh, she just plays it real fair. Uh, she pointed, points out that NPR, of course, did not, report the Hunter Biden laptop in October 2020. And now looking at the midterms, NPR is saying we're going to have uh, a disinformation reporting uh, uh, squad when they wouldn't even report relevant information, highly relevant information about corruption uh, on the family, on the part of the family of one of the uh, 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 nominees back in 2020. Un unbelievable. These people are uh, have no shame. So whether it's NPR or whether it's Maggie Toulouse, um, it's an Orwell. We, we Orwellian. The word Orwellian can be overused, but uh, we we have entered Orwellian America. Uh, and uh, if 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 we don't like what you're saying, it's disinformation, and we're going to put the clampers on it. Um, I don't know. Some of us still believe in free speech. A few of us. A few. Here's a text though, along the same lines, just talking about elections and you know some of the stuff that we've talked about this hour. Eddie, you're 100% correct. I voted for Greg Sinetti, but I'm on Team Ronchetti now, the Ronchetti train now. By the way, I attend Legacy. Pastor Steve does endorse Ronchetti as well. Here's a really good one. Many members of his church are pushing Steve Smotherman to run for governor. Uh, I find it fascinating because I went to high school with both him and his brother, Troy. Troy and I are class of 81. These are tough guys I know from growing up in Clovis. Farmers in the military, hell of a mix. So <clears throat> here's the problem. If Pastor Smotherman starts preaching from the pulpit at the very same time that he's running for governor, you don't have a pastor anymore. And he he will be in a whole hell of hurt. So 
if you really want to protect Steve Smotherman, uh, tell him not to talk about him as a political candidate whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Crying from the radio pulpit, if you will, but it's not something that you can do from the pastoral uh, pulpit. And trust me, from someone who knows and understands uh, FCC uh, laws and understands, um, look, I went through this. We had seven attorneys come after me when I ran for CD1. Do you remember when that happened? Nobody (laughs) even reported upon it. I had literally Martin Chavez come after me along with um, my my former attorney, Patrick Griebel, came after me along with that, but they didn't come after me directly. What they did is they circumvented it to prevent it from going into a larger election because they knew that if it went to a popular election between me and if I got through, um, and we decided to go ahead and hold a primary. I don't know why we did that. We should have just said, here's our guy. Here's who we're running with. There's no doubt that Eddie will be be able to want to get through. We could have taken out, taken out Melanie Stansbury. But, of course, that did not happen. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, Dowd, can you still hear me? I mean, I'm, I'm listening to every word, remembering all those good times. Oh, boy, that <laughs> oh, was something. Good times. Yeah. But you know what, Dowd? We don't care. We don't care. I'm going to go ahead and shut down my Rock of Talk TV portion. Um, for some reason, I'm not able to connect any longer uh, to it, but I am still here on the radio by way of phone. 550-5500, that's 550-5500 if you want to go ahead and uh, text in. Uh, Murder Mike's got an update on the earlier shooting that I just told you has been confirmed as a homicide. Uh, so we are officially at 81 murders. There we go. So the th- three more yesterday and the one today has been now confirmed as the latest homicide. You hear it all here, folks. Valencia County went heavy for Ron Ketty over Ben Ray for Senate. will be the same for governor. Uh, I'll tell you what, Valencia County was huge backers of me, and I was pretty excited. So, you know, and uh, I know that Ron Ketty's, um, you know, very busy on the campaign trail. I'm not waiting for him to come into the radio studio to do an interview or anything. We're going to help him regardless of whatever we're doing. So please, you know, for those of you, oh, he doesn't want to come into the queue until he comes in. No, we're getting behind him, period. I don't care what happens. He's very busy. We need... Uh, to do our very best, and we don't need to have somebody come and validate our egos or validate our error just to go ahead and, and get some support. You know, people are very petty, and I'm not going to let what happened to me, I think I've told you this, happen to Mark Ronchetti right, uh, during right. this time. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think that that's um, very, very helpful. Um, let's see, what else have I pulled up in the news uh, lately? Um there's a lot of discussion here about Jessica Kelly uh, and and Victoria Martin's case and what's happened. Have you seen the timeline on this stuff? Have oh, you been looking at I, this? I, I, I've been purposely avoiding it. I know I should look at it, but I just, I can't. I, that poor little girl. Just, oh. hey, Eddie, I'm too upset over the, uh, over the racist attack uh, uh, against uh, uh, Keont K- uh, Kelly, uh, you know, the, the, the brave young man who was turning his life around. Uh, the 27-year-old who was uh, recently uh, picked up for um, a, a, a felony warrant. Uh, uh, there, there's a new uh, article in Source New Mexico I might be linking to uh, tomorrow for everyone to to get the latest uh, to get the latest on the racism of the Albuquerque Police Department. Um, these people never rest. Yeah, they can't help but play that race card. Um, and uh, a shooting last night at Leo's Bar. Albuquerque Police responded to reports of a shooting in the area of 12th Street and Candelaria. What happened last night? Uh, by the way, no one reporting as high as 81 homicides except for ABQ Raw. I don't know what ABQ Raw is reporting. They probably have something like 100. I think they're <laughs> 91 like right now. <laughs> is that what they are? Yeah, I think that they're 
the reporting that much. Um, so this was, as of this morning, this one by KOB, um, this came out this morning on the, the investigation. It says, by our count, and they literally put it in there, Dowd, by our count, this would be the 70th homicide that APD has investigated this year. At this point last year, 67 homicides were under investigation. So they're still trying to curb it and make it look yep, as yep. if um, it's really not that many. It's very interesting, uh, the way that they're praising everything. Let's see what else we've got. Um, there was a, another thing about uh, a, a police impersonator. I didn't realize. I'm not. I'm surprised this wasn't a bigger story, now, But apparently, there was a guy um, by the name of uh, Raúl Martinez who was pulling people over. And just just think about how scary it already is in Albuquerque. But this guy was literally, and, and of course, the person that comes to mind is the West Mesa murders. Um, things that haven't been solved. You know, someone who might take women or people who are sort of a little bit too trusting. Um, But apparently there's three different um, incidents of this stuff all caught on camera where this man is pulling over women in an unmarked car in a a vehicle cruiser, uh, which looks just like a police officer's uh, vehicle, and telling him that he's a police officer. And uh, he, he was, yeah, and all of them were able to escape. So be very careful. Um, you know, by and large, you're not seeing many police. So when you see a police is a little bit too aggressive to pull you over, um, just verify that it's a police because I'm sure there's going to be lots of copycats of this if uh, this guy was able to, you know, uh, take advantage of you in a, a trusted position. So you don't want to be alone. And, and we, of course, know about the two women who were murdered last week, yet we don't have names um, both coming by way of a massage parlor. Both have actually now been verified now mm-hmm. uh, as massage parlor workers. And I believe that that's been in the last year, that's four different massage parlor workers that have been murdered here in Albuquerque. I mean, just, just insane. Stuff that you just don't hear about anywhere Well, it's else. right to be skeptical if you run across an Albuquerque police officer just out or out and around because we know where most of those officers are. You know, they are in a diversity training uh, as overseen by the U.S. Department of Justice, because that's what we need <laughs> more of in the Duke City. Yes, yes. We need them to be uh, nicer and softer uh, on this. So the uh, com Channel 7, has a good timeline of everything I've already told people over the last you know five years about Victoria Martins and the murdering. And what really stuck out to me in all this is, and I didn't, I didn't realize this, that both of the people, uh, her mom, Jessica, and um, Fabian Gonzalez were both out and about. They were able to track their phones and find the locations where they were down. And that's all very interesting. <clears throat> what, we, what we don't know is who gave Victoria Martins the sexually transmitted disease who the fourth person's DNA was, they were not able to determine it. And that uh, rests on the shoulders of Raul Torres, who, by the way, is going to be your soon-to-be attorney general if uh, Jeremy Gay can't get through. So um, if you have those two things that happen, you have the triangulations of those phones, we would at least know who that phone call must have been to or Jessica's a phone call must have been to where Fabian's phone book must have gone to. I guarantee that they have enough information to find who that fourth person 
is of the unidentified DNA. But I think they're too scared, Dowd, to go ahead and take the extra steps to do it. So we're going to cover that tomorrow. We'll, call, we'll cover the Evaldi shootings uh, tomorrow as well. And uh, we'll go ahead and leave it at that. Your top 10, Dowd, is brought to you by the rockoftalk.chat. Subscribe today for less than 20 cents a day and get up to date with all the latest, including his his visit, six and a half hour visit to Valencia County. Dow, take it away. <laughs> You're going to want to read that one, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, your picks for the most clicked, most interesting subjects today at the Rock of Talk. Chat number one, great piece from the Cato Institute. The government's been planning for pandemics for decades and decades and spending billions of dollars. We actually had a, a, a germ come along that caused some trouble. How did they do? How, how good of a job did, it, did they do? Not, not very well. People were interested in that. Uh, number two, Netflix will have uh, earnings call, an earnings call this week. The future of Netflix may hang in the balance this very week. Another public investment on the part of New Mexico politicians. Uh, number three, Ted Cruz thinks that the gay marriage ruling, the Supreme Court gay marriage ruling earlier this century is potentially up for reversal, just like Roe v. Wade. Interesting concept. I'm going to have a piece similar to that, but not about gay marriage, uh, about something else that's very relevant to New Mexico later this week. Uh, number four, Eddie, this was fascinating. Uh, a great website called bigthink.com. Some interesting science articles on the weekends. Sometimes I have to look for uh, things beyond, not a lot of original content out on the weekends. The length of day changes based on the rotation of the Earth's core. Uh, interesting science uh, investigation. People were interested in that, number four. And then finally, number five, uh, oh, yeah. a, a white yeah. woman was attacked in New York City and beaten up by black women who said she was a Trump fan. Uh, one more hate crime you are never going to hear about uh, from the mainstream media. <clears throat> there you go. All the news that's fit to print at 4 a.m. in your inbox. And uh, I should say all the news that's uh, fair to fit inside the rockoftalk.chat. Apologize for technical difficulties at the beginning, but now we have made the determination that it is indeed not Dowd's headphone from coming in. So it looks like uh, Dowd and I will both be in studio on Wednesday uh, doing the show. So that's going to that's gonna be a fun time uh, together. And we certainly look forward to Dowd being more in studio, more that, um, you know, that uh, we can hit place get here. through all these things. I'm kind of cool yeah, hanging out in a place be, like this. <laughs> hey, we've got little benefits for you. So we'll see you bright and early tomorrow, 4 p.m. here in the Kiva for our live show. On AM1600KIBABQ.FM, Rock of Talk. Bill O'Reilly up next, folks. Stay tuned for a good night of programming at your Nikiva. Sticks and stones, they may break these bones, but then. I'll be ready, are you ready? It's the start of us waking up, come on. Are you ready? I'll be ready. I don't want control, I want to let go. Are you ready? I'll be ready. Now it's time to